Hi, I'm Jason Latour, the co-creator of Southern Bastards and the writer of Spider-Gwen, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, motherfucker. <laughs> That was music to my ears. Yep, oh, missed it. Your ears are here to be heard to. Right. <laughs> Awkward. I got a yes, little but I agree, though. That's all right. You get a little gas. We, we all get gas from now and then. I just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm all I'm all clip because, you know, I'm all nervous and shit. I'm shy around you again. We're into defense. Oh, boy. Did you guys have a good time last week, though? You tell us. You listened to the episode, right? Mm, oh, I only go forward and never go back. Good lord. Well, you'd have to listen to it too before you go. Like, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't play well in reverse. Left you homework on the episode. You did. Do tell. What was it? You have to listen. Oh, boy. I guess I you see. get an F. To, I guess you get an F this week. I was putting up images for this week's gallery, and I happened to notice last week's gallery has images from Shazam in it. And I'm like. On the, well, this is for, this is for the li- the listeners' benefit. And I'm like, who the frig read that? Like, who willingly read that thing? What do you mean, Jeff Johns and Dale Eagleson? Regardless, like, why would why, you? Re- it, I don't understand why wouldn't I? Because even though it's those creators, Vince is saying that it's still the subject matter that. Well, I didn't think you were anti Shazam. Oh, I'm very anti Shazam. I'm anti Shazam. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, any anything out of the the C.C. Beck, the original conceptual air around the character. Like Scott McCloud, great. You want to do Shazam? Wonderful, because you're in that zone. Mm-hmm. Dale Eaglesham is not in the zone, and for Shizzle, Jeff Johns is not in the zone. And just the cover of that book reminds me of the movie, which is not something I want to be reminded of. <laughs> I don't think it's anything like the movie, at least based on the first issue. But um, although I think the cover is definitely uh, evocative of the movie. Um, But, yeah, I guess I'm just coming at it from a completely different place because uh, you have to remember that uh, 52, the miniseries, was pretty much one of my gateways into being a DC fan. And the Marvel family was a massive part of that book. And um, Johns and Eaglesham were the creative team on my, to this day, favorite DC superhero run, which was Justice Society of America. So... I, I thought there would be almost no way I wouldn't enjoy that book, and and I was correct. You actually enjoyed it. I did quite a bit. Hmm. I like it when my friends, my By good the way, friends. Speaking of books that uh, I'm going to have to revisit because we all read the first issue and didn't it didn't grab us is the Immortal Hulk. I have not seen a top ten comics list this year that doesn't have Immortal Hulk on it. All right, I'm guilty. We <laughs> both Dap and I shit on the first issue, as did I. Yes. I've I've read up to six. Oh, I was wrong. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I was wrong. There we go. This is the yeah, this I, is the second I, time I've eaten crow this year because the it, it's it's appearing on not just like oh here's superhero blog that loves superhero books. It's it's appearing on it's like that book. I I would I would say um like Tom's vision. It's the it's the superhero book that's making all of these more erudite best of lists that makes you look at it and say, really? You yeah. know, like one of those books that people are saying transcends superhero comics, whatever that means. But my point is I just kept I, – I couldn't – I would say without having done this systematically, it's the most common 
it's it's the book that's appeared most often in these lists. Yes. So, I I stick to my guns though. I do think the first issue's poopy. But <laughs> yeah, it, I, mean, I didn't care for it. But uh, but I have to say, I I I definitely am gonna. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked it if it's already on Marvel Unlimited, but I'm it is earmarked to go back and give a read. Uh, just I I can provide see. you with the source material. Well, no, that's cool. I mean, but I'm just saying, I, I it's interesting that you do acknowledge that you you were because that's even more impetus to do it. Yeah, and okay. and it was um my like I said my second uh dinner of crow after Cosmic Ghost Rider. I poo pooed that too, mm-hmm. and it's really good. The first two issues didn't do much for me, but it gets much better. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Sorry for stepping on you, Jason. It's oh, no. 11 o'clock comics. What? Episode 578. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. It's been a long time since I heard that name come out of those lips. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And it truly is a wonderful life because I'm Clarence Oddbody. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I, I'm not a fan of Christmas anything, but that's a tolerable movie. <laughs> How about that? Because we all There's we all should. irony that you don't care about Christmas at all, and you work at a Christmas store. I know. Well, it's not a Christmas. Well, okay. The the majority of the income is is uh, derived during the Christmas right. season, but it's not technically a Christmas store. But yes, and and no, you're not. Mr. Wonderful Life, you Jason Wood, everybody in the house again. Yes, we're all together, thankfully. And guess what? Guess what? I love you. I love. No, I'm just kidding. It's. <laughs> I'm not Buddy the Elf. I'm Vince B. <laughs> the list of specials is up, and I know I'm a little late because I missed last episode. But I I'm have. Glad you didn't. Uh, although I wanted you to listen back because you weren't on the show. Okay. I must. I'm glad in this moment you didn't listen because we butchered the. The oh, big time! Yeah. Well, we, I mean, they're they are they are big shoes to fill. So, yeah. oh I mean, my goodness, come we on! We really didn't even try, but I think it, we should rather go with the sponsors. Very lenient of our approach to promoting them. Um, so, the list of specials is up at DCBS, and they are many, but I have selected three. And in the spirit of what you're about to hear, I have selected them all from small time publishers. Hmm. With one that you're going to give me the stink eye. Um, first up, from Antarctic, one of my favorite current publishers. They're very small, but they do good stuff, like Gold Digger. I know we don't talk about it much, but it's one of my favorite books. But this is called Exciting Comics Number 1. Listen to this. For the first time in over 70 years, Exciting Comics returns to stores in this premiere title... Antarctic Press introduces the Superverse, a new shared universe that combines classic public domain characters such as, get ready to ring that bell, Jason, Black Terror, ding, and the, and the heap, ding, the heap, the friggin' heap, with a host of new original heroes. Get the, the, stop, the cover price is $1.99. Your price at DCBS is forty. Not my price. You, you my should price zero, Come, dude. It's a dollar nine. Price is right here. Please, if you don't order this, I'm going to be seriously perturbed. It's a dollar nine. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you. Be perturbed. The Bla- Black Terror, 
Masquerade is in this. Friggin' the heap. What? Here comes the killer called Spriggan. What? You, don't listen to Jason, people. Just get this. It's a dollar nine. You have... Spriggan's in Deutsch? It's a... There's no fuss, no must, no. You won't lose out if you don't like it. It's a dollar nine, please. Okay, second, uh, from Black Mask, it's a new book, a new miniseries called "Nobody Is in Control," of which this is the first of four issues. When Richard sees a man run through his yard, he follows him out of concern. Wouldn't we all? Mm-hmm. This deep in the woods, he must be lost, ellipsis, must be in trouble. But soon, it's Richard in peril as this stranger drags him into a deep, twisted web of conspiracy going back hundreds of years. What? This is subtitled Planned Obsolescence. It's written by Patrick Kinlon and art by Paul Tucker. There is an Eddie Campbell vibe to this stuff. There's a couple preview pages within um, the uh, Black Mass solicits, and they tickled my long hanging fancy. So it's three ninety nine a cover price. Your price one dollar ninety nine cents. That's fifty percent off. And last but certainly not least, from a small and up and coming publisher, it is Weatherman Trade Paperback Volume One from Jody LaHoop, Nathan Fox, Dave Stewart. We, David and Jason, both uh, sung the praises of this title on previous episodes. I have yet to read it, so I am ordering it. The cover price is seventeen ninety nine. I love Nathan Fox, and uh, your price because you are a subscriber at dcbservice dot com. You can get this for eight dollars and ninety nine cents. It's effortless. Just do it dcbservice.com does not mind late orders or order editions and you get your books in pristine condition delivered right to your door ding dong my books are here dcbservice.com just do it yeah just do it i'm gonna let you do it for now okay it's that time whip out your 11 o'clock comics drink coasters because uh we have a drink roll call to uh engage in and since you were not here to engage in it lastly, please tell us, what are you imbibing tonight? Okay, little switch up. Um, I'm not drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. I am drinking a Merlot. Ooh. Yes, from Woodbridge. Okay. By Robert Mondavi. Yes. And this is uh, 2016 vintage. And I got to say, and I will, it's very damn tasty. I don't usually spring for the Merlots, but I'm, I, I may be... Merlots can be tasty, yes. I may be transitioning because this doesn't have the little snapback that the cabs tend to have. The, the Depending on um, the red blend, I will usually go for a Merlot after, um, if I'm not a fan of, of a... Um, of a Cabernet being offered. Well, there you go. So nicely done. And I did see your, um, when I was out this evening, I did see your Frontera and I was very tempted to, um, get a bottle, which I probably will for an upcoming episode. Yeah. We went to, we went to a, sorry, Christmas party last weekend. Uh And as a gift, we brought a bottle of wine and I 
specifically singled out the 19 crimes. Nice. Because mm-hmm. it's good stuff. And I didn't want to look like a dick bringing stuff. shit wine, so I brought Crap. that. Yeah. <laughs> look at you. Yep. Nice. I'm drinking something from a vineyard that I have mentioned many times before, but it is a new wine. Uh, the Vineyard de Santa Julia. Uh, I have often talked about the their reserve Malbec. This is Santa Julia Reserva Mountain Blend. Ooh. Yes, it's a blend. It's delightful. I like blends. Yes. Me too. Thanks. It's an Argentinian wine for those wondering. We should do a, a month of just blends. For me, that's pretty much every month these days. But okay, that's what happens with when you, you come I'm up with that. Come up too fast, you get the blends. I can't go for yeah. that. No, 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 can do. Mm. We'll give you this. Is um, mm-hmm. Daryl Hall's a f- fantabulous singer. There we go. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, that's all, baby. The um, uh, if either of you uh, ventured into the slack, you would have known what I am sipping on this evening. I saw it. Okay. I just didn't want to pull the, the rug out from under your. I appreciate that. Rather large feet. Um, because, uh, <laughs> the place that I saw your Frontera this evening, I saw it, it's never been into to the liquor store in, in our neighborhood yet. So I decided to walk in and prices are not, um, too crazy. I, they don't have a large selection, but, uh, the few things they do have impressed me. And I left with a bottle of the diamond collection, Francis Coppola, ivory label Cabernet Sauvignon from 2016. Sweet. Yes, my man drinking that Coppola. Very good. And very it, good. Is, it is very, very good. As much as I enjoyed the Coppola that I had uh, a couple weeks ago, this uh, blows it away. I am. Yes, uh, eat a few extra ducats go a long way. I'm smitten. And, and it wasn't, and it's not like it was a lot of it. It was still, it was like 16 bucks maybe. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's still, it's still under 20, which is usually That's what I what try I'm to saying. aim for. But, um, yeah. yeah, I am. I am quite happy with this. Speaking of quite happy, mm-hmm. I'm been having a string of not so great days, right? And today, I open up my Facebooks, and I happen to uh, see multiple times because everybody's excited over this. Did you guys see the the movie posters for the upcoming Godzilla King of the Monsters? Yes. Oh, oh my God. There's one for Rodan, which is outstanding. There's a Mothra. There's a Ghidra. And the main poster looks great. But the thing that makes me so happy about this, it's like they embraced the fact that there are giant monsters in this movie. Like in the original Godzilla, which is fun, the American, the last one from uh, uh, Legendary, the, 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 the one that kicked all this off. Godzilla was in it for eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if you, you go through Toho's films, that's about average. I mean, a lot, you know, eight to, to like, say, 15 minutes. He's not mm-hmm. in the film for a, a long time. But I don't see how this movie can't have wall-to-wall kaiju action. Damn straight. It, it looks like there are, and it's not the only monsters or kaiju that are in the movie. 
it's just the main the main group. I've seen traces of other kaiju in the movie. So I did my heart good to see those movie posters. And uh, thanks to everyone who put them up. I, my heart was singing with joy. Like, I, I know where I'm going to be when that movie comes out. First day, boink, I got to see it. Have you checked out the Monarch Sciences website? I don't like to do stuff like that before the movie. Why? Really? Yeah, no. Unless it's like a Blair Witch thing where <laughs> it 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 there's lead up to. Is that what it is? Like, are, yeah, it yeah, it it's like um exactly. That's exactly what it is. It, it's not dissimilar to um uh, Cloverfield. It, it's 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 a faux site where there's like intel and little blurbs of what's happened prior to the film. But you don't really. There's no vid, film footage or anything. It's just. Uh, it's it's a it, yeah. It's it's a total. It's like a prequel. I'm there. A, yeah, it's cool. It's Thank very you. cool. I shall mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, I can't. Monarch sciences. Yeah. I, I I watched the trailer, and there's a scene where Godzilla is running full bore against Gaidra, and it's just like, oh, they finally did it. They got it. They got it. This is it. The rest of the movie can suck. Mm-hmm. If, if that scene plays out like i think it will i i'm i'm just overjoyed that finally that we, we get some if, big ass if anybody deserves to enjoy that movie it's you yeah well there's a lot of us a lot of godzilla fans so jason my buddy yes sir why don't you tell the listeners what we have going on this episode oh boy because it was your yeah, idea we am excite right we're excited yeah, i'm excited yeah i think we're excited so we were just riffing as we are wont to do. And sometimes we'll we'll come up with like, hey, what about this? Or we should talk about this. And a couple weeks back, I just said, hey, it would be fun to do an episode where we talk about our favorite other publishers. And I didn't really define it. We kind of all riffed on it, but we agreed to, to, to go about doing it. And I, you know, the point being that we have over the years waxed poetically about many other publishers, many bygone publishers. Um, we've even done deep dives on a bunch of them, but number one, it's been a minute. I, th- I can't, I, I remember having these conversations. I don't remember vividly enough to think that they were any time in the last few years. And two, I don't know that we ever did a focused discussion on it where that was the point of it. So, um, and I know you two mo mofugs even more than me love to get nostalgic Hell yeah. So we uh, so we agreed. So didn't want to put too many rules on it. Uh, we just all agreed to bring a you know some kind of top five with honorable mentions allowed of our favorite other publishers. And the only other thing I asked is that we limit the list to um, publishers that aren't currently at the forefront of 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 the business meaning not just marvel and dc obviously but but no image no dark horse um no idw dynamite things like that like things that are are currently in the zeitgeist yeah um now i didn't say we couldn't you couldn't pick a publisher that isn't current right that is definitely open in the back of the catalog yeah i don't know we'll find out if i did i don't uh, but i don't spoilers i didn't um but but i again i thought part of the fun would be how each of us interpret this this exercise. So I know Dap's got a, a cocked number of rules he puts on himself, 
which pretty much means I could guarantee what his five are because he has so many rules that there's only five left that uh, that are eligible. <laughs> I've been actually I've been I've been massaging those rules this afternoon, nice. so I may have actually um, nice. broken one of mine. Don't point Excellent. it at me. But um, oh, but yeah, so I think that that we do the previous videos, we talk about lots of comics, and it. I don't know that I'd like to think that we convey that there are awesome comics that come out from lots of places that aren't Marvel and DC and Image even though they certainly do put out the preponderance of comics and probably do between the three of them make up more than 50% of what we talk about, I would guess, or at least close to it. But, but they're also, especially because in the, in the time we were coming up in the eighties through the early nineties, there was a, just an explosion of other publishers because of lots of factors, most notably uh, the, the the rise of the direct market and that allowed for a whole new type of of creator and comic to emerge, including like the black and white and you know then the nineties boom. So it just seemed like a, a a topic we could have a lot of fun with, and it also would probably I'm I'm fascinated because we've done a good job of keeping each other's lists quiet from each other. I'm fascinated to know where we overlap and if we do overlap. Okay, I I so. will I will say and and I'm not. Um, this is me pimping Vince mostly because I'm not one to pat myself on the back. But I do think that if, if anybody listens to our con recaps, especially heroes, and they listen to what we go back issue diving for, <laughs> very, very rarely are we pulling things out that we can uh, that, that, that we could have gotten. From Marvel or DC within the past five or ten years, right. everything is usually either smaller publishers or publishers who no longer exist because we we had them once before for whatever reason. I no longer have them, and and I just I need to reclaim them. But um, we are I I'm pretty sure we've we've been saying for a long long time that uh, there is a hell of a lot more to be offered. Um, than just what you'll find in the first half of the previous catalog. This is true. You could subsist if you ha- if you live in an area that you have at least access to some of the major conventions. You could subsist on just quarter box pulls and and be a very very happy camper. Mm-hmm. So um, not to slight our our um, sponsor, but th- you can walk out of a con with literally hundreds of books for not a whole lot of money. But if you want to stay current, unfortunately that's not the case, but if you want to go the Wayback Machine like we love to do, get yourself to a con and uh, you will just, you'll revel in it. There's there's cheap books everywhere. And mm-hmm. um, uh, like Mr. Dapp, um, even though I'm not a fan of rules, I had two, two rules. Okay, what were they? The first one is that I would not pick Warren. <laughs> because every I mean if you know me, you know that Warren is my all-time favorite publisher, uh small publisher. So, uh and if if there was a gun to my head, I would be hard-pressed to not pick Warren over Marvel as my all-time favorite publisher. Mm-hmm. So I I specifically singled out Warren as no bueno. I couldn't go into it because it, it's cheating. 
in in okay. my in my mind. And number two, I did select a couple publishers that I, in my heart of hearts, I know DAP was going to pick, and I didn't put them on my list because I wanted DAP to have the fun. Because he's, okay, that's he's, interesting. He's I mean, my boo. I, I would assume that that the, one of us picking one doesn't preclude the others from gushing about it. But. Oh no, we can, no, we'll definitely. No, no, I, I wanted to contribute. But your point, as you most, as, as you mentioned yesterday, Jason, is that if if there isn't the overlap, it be if if all of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. pick one each, and do, there is no overlap, that that means we just gave love to fifteen publishers. No, so, definitely. I, I I did give some thought to what I thought you guys would pick. I I. But I thought there's probably two of my five that I would imagine are also on Dap's list, and and there and and this is also sort of how I approach the Oscars. Yes, I'm absolutely voting for my favorite things from that year. But when it comes to creators or um, certain things that I know you two are going to pick, I generally want to make sure that okay, we're definitely giving Lemire love. I know Jason's got that covered, so I can then mention. I and he definitely wrote. Some great shit I love this year, but mm. I want to make sure I mention so and so. So yeah, um, that's how I do that too. Now, did you all do any honorable mentions? Because I, I have five. I have a top five. I have a and shit then I have ton. Nine, nine <laughs> others that I had enough notes for. Like I went through a list, and then I tried to cross out things. I thought, ah, now nah, we don't. Mostly, mostly if they were current, like if they were still producing. I thought, ah, hey, you know, we don't. We we don't like like Lion Forge. Like I was like, ah, you know. I love Lion Forge, but yeah. like we've been talking about them a lot this year. It's so maybe the right. real Lion Forge. So I'm like, okay, they, I don't need to talk about Lion Forge. Um, so I crossed all that stuff out, and then, um, then I went through the list and started co- compiling some notes, and I ended up with nine, well, fourteen. I ended up with with, and then I uh, the the five top five that are on the list, and the nine right. that I have lesser amount of notes, but I could have easily put on my list if they had made the cut. So, cool. Yeah, I I have more than five that I was, I I had a bunch that I threw on the notepad and started. But basically, part of my rules was I didn't want to just mention publishers. It's like, oh hey, remember them, and and mm-hmm. we could go off on a few. I I purposely had to. I what what made, when they made it on my list, it was because. I personally, when they were still publishing, when these books were new, I was buying them at the comic shop. So that is that that's that, that's the personal connection where it, it's it's a sentimental attachment, and and I'm mentioning them because I miss them, and this is what they 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 did for me and gave me, and and that's why they're in my top five. But I didn't want to just mm-hmm. you know say hey remember, and it's it's probably an honorable mention for me, but hey you know. And and they're still producing more or less, but slave labor ga- graphics. I could mention them. I didn't buy a whole lot when when they were publishing their few titles, like it's science things like that. But um, I don't want to forget them. Yeah. Now, see, I picked one publisher solely on the strengths of two titles, and you know their their sure. out, their output wasn't gigantic, but they had at least eight nine ongoing at right. one time so but yeah, I, I didn't read any of them other than mm-hmm. the two and they made that's that may be my honorable mention i think i know where and, you're going Vince. and i think um the other rule which i know that dap at least was planning on following was it had to be a publisher that he read some some stuff from them now i also did that but mine was a little different because as you guys know i didn't read a lot of non 
Oh, yes. Non-Marvel Which is why stuff I love the idea up. that the fact so, that you came up with this. Yeah, so for me, I did follow that rule, but but it's definitely more of a... The publishers on my top five are, for the most part, not stuff I was reading a ton of, a little bit here and there, but a ton of as it was in their heyday. But I have subsequently gone back and read a big chunk of their key catalog. So, you know, so I'm I'm legitimately familiar with the work, but I, more from a... I've read it in collected form or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Cool. So, okay. So, um, well, let's uh, let's let the the old man who who remembers more publishers than we do go first. Go ahead, Vince. Oh, Dap's going first. Who's, who's number five on your who's, list? Was there before Marvel started? Um, I didn't put him in any order except for one. I didn't either. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. My my your, my number one. I'm gonna right out of the bat. I'm going f- swinging for the fences. My uh, my number one small press publisher, and this probably won't surprise anybody, is Skywald. It does not. Yep. I, uh, well, it may surprise me that it's number one. Definitely doesn't surprise me that they're mentioned. I think Skywald uh, challenged. Well, that was the deal. Um, the the. The the publisher was um, formed by Saul Brodsky, mm-hmm. yep. who at the time was Stan's right hand man at Marvel. He was a Marvel production manager, and Saul's a pretty fascinating character in his own right. If if you have time, Google Saul Brodsky, um, artist, illustrator, designer. He's the dude that that fashioned the Amazing Spider Man logo. Like Saul was a crucial component to Marvel's early success. But he he left Marvel in 1970 and he teamed up with Israel Waldman. Uh, There you go. Sky Wald, Saul, uh, you know, whatever. And um, what the deal was... He did that twice though, right? Yeah. And and they still... He went back to Marvel and remember the, the tribute in Marvel Age? Like this is a guy that fled Marvel twice and they still found his Mm -hmm. contribution so crucial to the success of the company that they gave him this massive um, send-off in the pages of Marvel Age and the cover. Remember that, Dap? Yes. Yeah. So the deal was that Jim Warren was annihilating the newsstands. He was having massive success with Warren. So uh, Saul and Israel says, hey, let's throw together a line of black and white horror magazines. We're going to knock this Jim Warren off, off his pegs, right? Uh, and, and what they did was they, they crooked Al Hewitson, who at the time was a freelancer at Marvel. And um, the, they, they took the recipe of the old EC magazines, the EC comics, and a little bit of the, the Warren approach, and they iced that cake with a little bit of Marvel's methodology. Al was known as Archaic Al Hewitson. In, in the like they had nicknames which is a marvel thing right that's not a warren thing um so they got al to edit the line and he called the entire line the horror mood magazines it was brilliant right in in the spirit of hp lovecraft and edgar Allan poe and uh others so um like warren the line wasn't very large i think they had three ongoing series Nightmare, Scream, and Psycho, but the 
artists and writers that appeared within the pages of the Skywald magazines. I know Jason doesn't like lists, but but this list is incredible. Wait, Top, what do you mean I don't like lists? I love lists. <laughs> when I you don't seem like them when I do them. Um, oh, sorry, but wow, within, you just you think I you, man, you're just coming at me tonight. Like, I'm not. I love you so much. He's got two weeks pent up. I know, right? Goddamn. So this reads as a laundry list of the all-time greats, right? You got Tom Sutton, Chick Stone, Rich Buckler, Dave Sim. Early work appeared in the Skywald magazines. John Burns' early work, Pablo Marcos, Bill Everett, legend, Bruce Jones, Gene Day, Doug Munch, Len Wein, Steve Englehart, Jerry Conway, sorry, Marv Wolfman, Gardner Fox, and others, right? Here's a, another prescient uh, thing that Skywall did. They produced a two issue series in 1971 featuring a motorcycle riding vigilante called Hell Rider. You know who wrote this? Gary Friedrich. Ah. It was drawn by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito, <laughs> which predated Gary's Ghostwriter work at Marvel by two years. No so, wonder he's salty AF. So if there was no Hell Rider, there would have been no Ghostwriter. Probably. Which is why he probably feels even more robbed. Yes. Um, Skywald also dabbled in the traditional four-color comics, right? They're mostly westerns. Yeah, John Severin, Mike Friedrich, Jack Katz. Um, but the best four-color comic they ever put out, in my opinion, was the single issue that brought the heap back to color comics. And it, it resembles the Hillman character from Air Fighters only in name. The, the heap was in the pages of the, the Horror Mood magazines before making the leap to the color comic, but the color one-shot was written by Bob Koeniger and illustrated by one of my all-time favorites, Tom Sutton. I love Skywald. I, I just, the, the, their covers, um, the content was every bit as good as Warren's, um, and I dare say a little bit more literate, more, mm. um, they reached a little higher than Warren. Warren liked to keep it around the waist area where the Skywald books they aimed at. Of course, they were salacious and gruesome and uh, everything that the Warren magazines were too, but they aimed a little bit above the neck at times. There was um, the saga of the victims. There was uh, a retelling of the Frankenstein legend. Uh, It's just great stuff, right? Um, So for a lot of my picks, if you would like to do further investigation... I cited some sources. Mm. Yes. And if you would like to learn more about the bottle rocket that was Skywald, the company only existed from 1970, 1975. That's it. There's only one thing to read. It's called The Complete Illustrated History of the Skywald Horror Mood. And it was written by the late, great Al Hewitson, published by Head Press. But be aware, it will cost you a boatload of money to obtain a paper copy of this. I have one. Um, they retail well. You can get it on the on the secondary market for. I've seen a copy go for two fifty. It's not cheap. I mean, you you you'll, you can find it cheaper, but the 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 high end of this uh, of the spectrum of this book it, it goes for around let's just say eighty to like say one hundred and fifty bucks. But it's worth every penny. It's a great great book. Love it. Yes. And just so you know, hopefully this will warm your cold, Grinch-like heart, I have 
a exact similar list like you just gave of major creators for every one of my top five. Well, you need it, right? In this you instance, do. like you can't just say, "Oh, Skywald yes. was great." Well, who worked for them? Duh, a bunch of guys, you know. And we're already off to a great start because I must be honest, I didn't even Skywald was I. I didn't even think to put was not on my list in any point ever. I would hazard to guess you have never peeled open the cover of. A yeah, Skywald. I don't know that. And yeah. how? Why would you? You're you're younger than much younger than right. I am. Right. Uh, they were battling it out. Uh, neck and neck, and the thing that killed Skywald was Marvel. Oh, uh, Marvel. I'd say uh, the comics code. No, Marvel. No, they because the black and white magazines are exempt. They oh, didn't. Oh, okay. But the thing that killed Skywald was Marvel. Um, Warren had a huge chunk of the newsstand real estate, and when Marvel started with um, Savage Tales and Monsters Unleashed and the you know the, their black and white line, the newsstands didn't have enough space to sh- to to display all of the magazines. So Skywald got the boot. Yep. There you go. It was it was Marvel, aka Cadence, that uh, hammered the stake into Skywald's heart. I, I will say one downside of doing this this assignment was in looking at the very short period of time most of these publishers existed. It, it made me feel some kind of way about a lot of these publishers that we love right now. And I wonder if we're doing the show 10 years from now, will how many of them will still be around? Yeah. Its history has not been kind to the non-big ones. Yep. Skywall definitely burned out. Well, um, good job. That's an auspicious start. Thank you. Yeah, let's keep that train rolling. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> you haven't given any. you got plenty to choose from. <laughs> it's like you're labored, like you're not sure who to pick. I, it's it's true. It's true because I want to um, – well, I, I, I'm doing a reverse events. I'm not starting with my big one. And, and by the time after I list my four, everybody will know who my first is, obviously, as if you already don't. But I will start off – this one's an easy one, um, and, and it'll just keep the ball rolling. It's – I – much like Jason with, um, for example – Rob Liefeld. I am a Joe Quesada apologist. I, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, the man really uh, can do very little wrong. And one of my, this was one of the first time, but this was before Twitter, before Facebook, message boards were kind of becoming a thing. And when Joe and Jimmy started Event Comics, they had a small um, online following. And, and it was one of the very first times, only times, it was one of the very first times where fans and creators were actually communicating practically in real time. And um, there were, this was before the Bendis boards. This is just, so there were a few of us and, um, and, and there were a few of the faithful who, uh, for example, there's one young lady who was in the first issue of um, Kevin Smith's and uh, Joe and Jimmy's issue of Daredevil when they started Marvel Knights. And, uh, but one of my favorite small-time publishers is Event Comics. Um, it was Joe and Jimmy doing what they wanted to do. Uh, they created a character called Ash. Um I don't have every single thing that Ash has appeared in. I, I picked up a bunch of issues this past summer at Heroes. Um, 
but they've had i mean it it and, and you had the the main ash series and there were a few um uh mini series the fire within and and, and and they kept it going a little bit there was painkiller jane series um so they didn't have a ton it wasn't it wasn't a very large catalog they were offering they were kind of just doing their thing and having fun uh they even had the uh the brothers hildebrand show up and paint in um issue number five they they took care of the ash portions of the story and the um and and the hildebrands took care of um their section and it just it aside from me enjoying the comic book because the artwork was absolutely amazing and and again this isn't it it's this isn't uh, Alan Moore level writing. It, it, it's still a couple of artists telling the story. Um, so it, it, it falls somewhere on, on, on the image scale when it comes to um, certain creators. But I adored these dudes and uh, loved their artwork. So I was very happy to be able to um, get something. And the fact that they communicated with their fans uh the way they did also kind of just helped the um the enjoyment aspect of it. it 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 kicked it up a notch but yeah i um it it was one of the, and, and and there weren't like a ton of ads in the in, in in the comics and and they had uh the gay folk covers in it of course because of the the association with wizard you'd have the foil or or a ton of variants and um special chase covers and um which I wasn't into at all. I just wanted, you know, whatever the main cover was and, and read that issue and, and move on to the next one. And, um, I, I, I do, I do miss event and, and it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Marvel wanted to do something with some characters that weren't getting a lot of love. Uh, Black Panther, Punisher who had died, uh, the Inhumans, um, and so they basically they went to instead of going to like what they did with with Heroes Reborn when they went to uh, Extreme Studios and um, and Wildstorm they 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 went to Event Comics which is basically two dudes it's not like there was a studio to to farm out a lot of work to but they um, they offered Event some characters and and Joe and Jimmy ran with them and and decided to um tap some extremely talented creators like uh bernie wrightson and christopher priest and um they just and jay lee for the inhumans book but they were just they um they were able to to make something out of characters that were kind of just nothing was being done with and uh and after that once they started the marvel knights imprint and and um became editors of that line and then eventually joe was promoted to editor-in-chief um of the entire marvel comics line um at that point event pretty much um went away and it, it was a it was a company that for for the most part basically existed for five years they don't have a ton of of work to to show for those five years but what they did do um I, I enjoy quite a bit. So that's number five for me. Ooh, they were my number six. Ooh. They just missed making lists. Okay. And number one, I kind of thought you might talk about them. 
So I was like, okay, I was right. And two, they really fell off for me because I think they were on for what you just got to, which is that uh, I love the 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 butterfly effect, and Marvel wouldn't have been what it's been since it was at its nadir. Was it were it not for event, as you said, because if they hadn't hired Jimmy and Joe, then Joe wouldn't have become the head mocker and he wouldn't have brought in guys like Bendis and they wouldn't have made the creative renaissance that allowed them to leap back into the top of the industry. So, um, you know, I read a little painkiller Jane. I can't say I ever read Ash, never read Crimson Plague. So, uh, they just barely made it, missed, missed it, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled you put them on. And I was, and, and you mentioned Crimson Plague and, and I mean, they, they, they had George Perez, who of course, you know, when when they were reading comics, was the new Teen Titans guy. So, you know, for for him to come in and do a comic under their under their label, um, I thought was a pretty pretty big deal. And and I mean, there was only one issue of that, and I believe George was able to finish it at Image. But yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad they were on your list as an honorable yep. mention. And other other creators that they worked with there, Brian Augustine, yep, Amanda Connor. Now, I don't know if they met through that or if he was already dating Amanda. That I'm not sure of. Um, Garth Ennis, Humberto Ramos, Dave Ross, and Mark Wade. Who, by the way, I think Mark Wade's pretty much on every list I have tonight. Of course. <laughs> he, yeah, he worked at like an, every one of these places. And and he worked at the fanzines, too. Yep. The man has just been everywhere. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Okay. My <laughs> Actually, um, wait. Um, um, we heard oh. – I, I hmm? and I, I, I'm curious, but – Vince did not make a peep at all during no, that publisher spotlight. No, Vince nowhere near my list. No, I didn't say no. it was going to be on your list. I just no. what do you have any? I um, I read maybe one issue of Ash. Yeah, I, they they are nowhere near as beloved in in my heart as they are of yours. Sure. Oh, I yeah, they're, yeah, they're, no, I, I mean, I, that's fine. yeah, we yeah, and. I we knew. Don't have something to say. We don't have to force it. Right. I knew David would put it on his list, but I have to be totally honest. I I did not buy into event at all. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, he still loves. All me. right. Number five on my list is one we have definitely talked about in the past uh, at length, but have to be on my top five. That is Cross Gen. Woot. Founded in 1998, and much like. Uh, Vince and David's first pick didn't last that long. Were defunct as a standalone entity in 2004, went bankrupt. Um, they then subsequently were acquired by Marvel. And some of you may remember that uh, a few years back, uh, Marvel did attempt to bring some of these characters back with series. Uh, didn't didn't work too well, so it was very short lived. But in any event, uh, CrossGen was founded by a gentleman named Mark Alessi, and it was, at the time, a pretty innovative model because he was kind of trying to go back to the way things used to be in the glory days. Uh, he was based down in Florida, near Orlando, and um, he wanted to do it like they did it back in the Marvel bullpen days. So everybody that worked across Gen had to go down and work at the offices and have shared office space. He also was innovative in that... He not only did he have the bullpen set up, but he gave everybody salaries and benefits and retirement packages. So they were employees, which even to this day is highly unusual. Most comic creators are 
uh, at large freelance employees. So, um, so he, he really tried to do it all. He was a, uh, a successful dot-com executive that sold his company for $40 million and wanted to start a comic company. Uh, he, because I, th- I think because of the money he was throwing around, he was able to secure some very impressive talent, uh, at the outset. And speaking of Mark Wade, uh, the three main creative forces at cross gen were, uh, Mark Wade, Ron Mars and Barbara Kessel. And they put together a series of titles. And one of the reasons it means so much to me is the other conceit at CrossGen was that uh, the titles were very different. They tried to attack lots of different genres, ranging from fantasy to sci-fi to mystery, but they all work in, in a connected, a shared universe. And there were hints of how some, some more overt than others, but there were, there was definite connectivity between them, um, at least in the grand scheme of things. Uh, major titles included Sigil, Mystic, Meridian, Scion, the first crux sojourn ruse and negation and creators involved uh, other than the three were everybody's favorite chuck dixon uh steve <laughs> mcniven did some of his first work there yeah. jim chung did his first major work there steve epting scott eaton dale eaglesham tony bedard brandon peterson aaron lapresti paul ryan paul pelletier josh middleton Butch Geis and Mike Perkins. And for a lot of those people, that was their first major work. So, um, so, you know, they were going great. And unfortunately for them, um, they ended up going bankrupt quite abruptly because of, uh, bookstores. They were, they had a ton of trades out in Barnes and Noble and Borders. And when the market turned in the early aughts, the bookstores returned tons and tons of inventory, which were uh, which were returnable, unlike the direct market where comics are not generally returnable, and they just couldn't eat that. Just they couldn't eat the cost of that inventory, and had to fold up shop, um, you know, pretty much abruptly. So um, it didn't end well, and unfortunately, we've never really gotten a satisfactory conclusion to some of the shared universe hints that they had laid. Yep. But um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and we. I mean, it was probably six or seven years ago. Now, but we we spent a, a couple months talking about cross gen. I had ordered from my comic shop complete runs of a lot of these titles, and I still have them and read them and talked about them on the show. So I, I really thought this was they were great titles. They were well put together, um, uh, top notch creators, and uh, I definitely I definitely miss miss them very much. Yeah. So cross gen, I second that. Nice, love me some cross gen. I have I've com- read. Maybe two issues of a cross gen book. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm always I've curious why before. why I didn't float your boat. It just um, because I was I was away when they became a thing, and right. um, it it seemed hella cool, especially the whole bullpen aspect of it. Um, I'm down with shared universes, obviously, but there was just um, I mean, it was and and once once wizard got involved with everything being a hot item it just uh, it was no point in me trying to chase anything down um yeah, right i wasn't uh splurging on on the big phone books when they were coming out so it was just it, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely one of those things where it's like when i can i'll i might 
dip my toe in and and uh, look for a run here and there. And once I fill in the holes that I'm trying to fill in now, then maybe CrossGen will be my next my next chase. Yeah. But um, uh, should you choose to do that, the book you yeah. need to read first is Bedard and Pelletier's Negation because it is yes, by, by far great. the best. Okay. Yeah. I'm very surprised of all the creators Jason mentioned, and it and 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 it surprises me because of how different his work looked. Was I did not hear Greg Land's name. Yeah, it's because it actually looked like it's. I wish, like we say this about you know, Laroca or or, but it's I I I wish. Because he started doing this, the 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 stuff he's doing now in in Nightwing. But what I remember back then, when he was drawing the Cross Gen book, is that he it was he wasn't using the same woman for for every character or the same pose and faces, and it was just um, kind of a different Greg Land than what we have today. Marjorie, yeah, yeah. I, I also for me, I lo- I I agree with Vince on negation. I also loved 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 Ruse. Yes, of course. And 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 sigil. I, they were my three favorites. But, but uh, yeah. So wow. Um, my favorite was obviously negation, but sure. I also loved the crux. And um, what? Damn it! Um, Who? What the hell? The name? The pirate book? A Meridian. Epting? No, Epting did a pirate oh, book. Oh, uh, Sojourn? No, nope, nope, nope. It didn't last long. It was only a handful of issues, but Epting did phenomenal work on it, and I can't remember the damn name. So obviously, it was my favorite, and I can't remember the freaking name of it. But anyway, yes, Crossgen, love them. Dap, you can get Forge and Edge, which were the collect- oh El Cazador. Yes, El Cazador. I've um, never read that. Forge and Edge. What they did was they took one or two issues of all their books, and they published right. trade paperbacks of them, but for reasonably priced like forge mm-hmm. i think was like seven something after discount it was the cheapness but the problem with forge and edge w- was they didn't it wasn't consecutive like they started with say negation issue five in the first trade and then it went from there because they didn't want you to say well why should i buy the single issues yeah. for for three <laughs> yeah. bucks when i can get right eight issues in this trade for like less than the price of two so what they did was they, they, they staggered them and then they changed the the format of them so i mean it was a mess but i i still love cross gen and i think you could have um did the uh, little disney digest reprint some of the stories too that you could get at the, at the um i don't know the camp at the supermarket i think i think when disney got on board um they did reprint some of the uh, cross gen stuff wow and small digest size things, but just like in the like in the Archie digest, it was like in the anthology book. It wasn't just it wasn't a, a small digest size trade of of cross gen stuff. They would just throw in a cross gen issue uh, amidst everything else going on in that little book. Jason, did you say Simonson? No, didn't Walt write the path or illustrate the path? Oh, he may have. Again, I didn't read the path, so oh. So let's move on to number two lest this be a six-hour marathon episode. I'm a little scared at my number two because I don't want to step on Dap's toes. But I, I have to be honest. This was well, the, for no order. No, this was the one 
inclusion that I was like, Dap's going to pick this. I'm going to shit on his parade, but I have to include this. And when I read the laundry list of all the people and all the books that came out of this company, you'll, you'll know why. It reads like a dream. So many great books from so many top-tier legends of the medium to wit. And here's where Mr. Price is going to sigh. Um, Michael T. Gilbert's Mr. Monster. Scott McCloud's Zot. Larry Martyr's Tales of the Bean World. Tim Truman's Scout and the related titles. Gerber and Kirby's Destroyer Duck. Chuck Dixon and Company's Awesome Airboy. You had Mark Avenier and Dan Spiegel on Crossfire. Tim Truman and John K. Snyder's Prowler. Mark Avenier again and Will Munoz's DN Agents. Alan Moore and Company's Miracle Man. You had Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters, Dave Stevens' Rocketeer. They exposed many new eyes to the mini-comics format with uh, giant-sized mini-comics. They championed 3D with Rayzone in many reprint editions and then new comics. They were one of the first publishers to realize manga was legit and it had long legs. And they blitzed the direct market with a number of titles, Area 88, May the Psychic Girl, Legend of Kamui. They made our nether regions feel funny with the Dirty Pair. They published a slew of manga translations through Studio Proteus, like uh, Orion, Appleseed, Dominion. There was a number of European imports, like Laser Eraser and Press Button, Oxa. They did Aztec Ace. Alan Moore and Bill Sienkiewicz's Brought to Light. Their anthologies were kicking. Fly in My Eye, Alien Worlds, the Mr. Monster spinoff, Tales of Terror. They published trading cards featuring serial killers. Like, what? Um, They were the first publisher to tackle the then newfangled graphic novel thing with Doug Munch and Paul Galassi's Saber. They were... Uh, a publisher that championed creators' rights and offered ownership to said creators. Founded in 1977 by the brothers Jan and Dean Mullaney, I'm talking about Eclipse Comics. Yes, you are. Yes, legends. Um, And the thing that ultimately brought Eclipse down was Dean's failed marriage to editor Cat Ironwood, who was a... a, uh, omnipresent within the pages of Eclipse Comics. And unfortunately, they had a flood that destroyed yeah. their back issue stock and ultimately yeah. brought the company down in 1983. But from 1977 to 1983, one with six years now. Eclipse was kicking. That's yeah. some prolific output for six years, man. Hell yes. yeah. They were amazing. Are they on your list, and as number six. Oh, nice. Wow, nice. Yeah, because they were on – I mean they were on my list originally and then I thought, well, number one, I didn't read a ton of this stuff. And number two, the, I thought the two of you for sure would spend 20 minutes on them. So I figured – Oh, out. Eclipse is like one of my darlings. Loved yeah. Eclipse comics. Yeah. Um, they if, – if I bought like say five Marvel comics a week or DC comics uh, on my weekly Wednesday stop, there was at least – Two to three Eclipse mm-hmm. comics each each time. I just like I could not say no to their books. Awesome. Yes. And I, I love that Dap didn't have them, and we you assumed otherwise. That's, that's crazy. That's, uh, I and thought. It, and, well, it's because of um, 
Yes, Zot. Yes, Mr. Monster, who's been everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, Miracle Man. But I, you know, Mystery, and it took me forever. Dude, it's it's like, it was one of those light bulb moments where I was like, wait, Mystery. Oh, Mystery. I get it now. But <laughs> they were just. <laughs> no um, way. Are you serious? Oh, you yeah, know, I never got it the first time around. Yeah, it took me years because I was just like, hey, it's Mystery. But I would never. It just, it finally clicked where I'm just like. I. I That's like a me moment. I know, but it's it's just so. But yes, I mean, the, like you just, I mean, rain it down. There is no point for me to even bother. But I mean, yeah, it's it's just, and I I enjoyed every single thing that I read that they did. Um, but I it it um I didn't read everything they did compared to other publishers. So um, they. They and there was no way in hell I would be, and because of that, I wouldn't be able to to do them justice the way you just did. So, um, yeah. I as as much as I love them and and will buy back issues of of their catalog, um, I, I couldn't. Yes, in my heart, uh, truthfully, put them on my list. And of course, Brother Todd was the one who bought up all the assets, uh, all the Eclipse assets, and that led to. The uh, massive feud between oh, um, yeah. Mick Farland and Neil Gaiman over mm-hmm. um, you know the Miracle Man stuff. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a tip: if you are back issue diving and you see copies of Total Eclipse, buy them. Yeah. Yep. 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 Because this book will never ever be reprinted. Because it features Miracle Man. It was a cross. Uh, they, uh, Marv Wolfman was brought in to do a crisis uh, on Infinite Earths for Eclipse. And it featured all of the Eclipse characters, including Larry Motter's Bean World characters and um, Miracle Man and, and so forth and so on. But So if you see Total Eclipse, buy it because you're never going to get it in another format. And I have a um, my, my copies of uh, Detective Inc. were uh, signed by Don McGregor. Oof. One little thing before we move on. I got to say, Dan Spiegel does not get enough love. Oh, for sure. Yep. And one of my first um, experiences with Spiegel was the Greystoke Legend of Tarzan Marvel adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I thought he was fine for that work. But then when I saw, you know, he was actually drawing like superheroes or, or crossfires, just like this is I it's it's not like it's. It's Gray Morrow drawing Batman, but it's it's just his his style just it it it's the most a lot of artists will draw superheroes that are supposed to be larger than life and there's no way you'd be able to pull this off in the real world. But Spiegel draws characters that would actually exist, like in live action, like I could see Crossfire. Yes. That 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 actually working if he was walking across the parking lot. Yep. It's exactly what he would look like. And his rainbow is gorgeous. Oh, indeed. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep this train rolling. Dap, who's up next? Who is up next is, um, this, this might be for, uh, Jay Tomio. They existed from 1992 to 1995. Um, they were originally going to have a comic book that, uh, was going to get them sued. So they had to change the name. And um, their zero issue, if you want to call it that, was one you had mm-hmm. to assemble yourself because it was made out of trading cards. Honorable and mention for me. About, I 
Defiant Comics. Wow, yep. you yep. put Defiant on your list, dude. Of course, I put Defiant on my list. I have a bunch of Defiant Me Comics, too. and most of them are not even Warriors of Plasm. I have copies oh, of Shut Hell Your Maid Filthy Mouth, War Dance. No, I'm sorry, just because I, I've either lost them along the way, um, or they were harder to get. I remember. I mean, I, I pretty much read the series, but I don't. If I look back in, if I open up CLZ, you'll see more issues of Good Guys. And and Charlemagne than you will of Warriors of Plasm. Um, that should be rectified. It, it was, but Defiant was Jim Shooter's other publisher after he was, for lack of a better term, booted from Valiant. Um, and they may have had like a total of fourteen or so titles, as I mentioned: Charlemagne, uh, Dark Dominion with Steve Ditko artwork, Dogs of War, Good Guys. Um, you had uh, prudence and caution, and after um, after Defiant Shooter went on to to do Broadway, but it was um, it was uh, yeah they were just I don't know what the hell it was where wherever I was where I was able to just pick up Defiant issues the way I did, but um, yeah I I had a I had a big kick out of that. I mean Wars of Plasma, of course, written by Shooter, um, art by uh, it may have been his his introductory work, but but David Latham. Yep. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. Because because Harbinger was. I'm sorry. He followed uh, David followed Jim to um to Defiant. Oh, okay. And um he uh, which you know of everybody who did. Although well, I don't want to say everybody because um you had uh you you for for War Dancer um it was uh. You know, Shooter also had a hand in that, but Alan Weiss um, wrote and drew that series. Charlemagne was, um, I believe it was Francesco. No, Adam Polina. Sorry. I always, they, they have very similar styles, but Adam Polina was your artist. Uh, D.G. Chichester was involved in that. So it's not like, you know, whereas you still had pretty cool stories being told at Valiant. Um, this was, uh, this was just. Shooter still having fun with his whole little new universe kind of thing where everything's gotta gotta be connected. Um I like the art by Gray on uh, the good guys from back then. It was um I have no idea who Gray is. I don't know if um it, it, if Gray is still doing comics under a different name or something, but um I uh I I just it was weird. I I, I don't know it's not like I had to go out and find or, or i had to make sure i got my my defiant fix but it's it's just one of those things where the, the whole the whole shake of it with the with the trading cards was kind of neat because um they were actual trading cards and not like the the things comic images was trying to do but it 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 really made sure that okay you just assembled you have the binder you have the trading cards you bought the set or you put the set together you're invested now so you got to see where the story's going and um the characters in, in Plasm were just, I mean, you had the dudes you had to hate and, and wanted to see them get get their due. Uh, you had the characters you were rooting for. Um, and and because I wasn't really, I, I, I just barely missed getting in on the ground floor with Valiant. Here's, here's Defiant, and I'm, I'm, I'm here at the start, the very beginning. Um, and it kind of brought back that newness of New Universe where um, this is... Um, I'm going to watch it all unfold now. And it was just, 
something about the the it, it was mostly the art it it's you know I, I can't really tell you a whole lot about a lot of the stories years later but uh defiant was just something that that kind of just scratched an itch and, and i think what helped is that because i wasn't able to run out and get comics on a regular basis the the, the few issues i was able to pick up here and there um just kind of felt right I, I didn't i didn't feel like i had to go back issue diving and especially since you know they've only they were out for as long as they were it's not like i had to go back and, and look for 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 years of back issues i could just you know go back a couple of months and, and be caught up but yeah i i i give credit to to shooter for for trying again and again and again but he um he, he had a few things with defiant that that kind of tickled my fancy yeah a couple names uh-huh Len Wein and Dave Cockrum yeah. on uh, Plasm. Yep. And, uh, oh, later on, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Shame, shame, shame for not mentioning Steve Ditko. On, no, he uh, did. I did with Dark Dominion. He did. He oh, did you did? Dark okay, Dark yeah. Dominion. Sorry, yep. sorry. I ha- I'm a proud owner of all of the Defiant binders complete with the cards. Nice. Yeah. I, all right. That's on my awesome. bookshelf. I pick, pill them that off. That was uh, one of my honorable mentions as well. So, well, well nice. Uh, okay, next up for me, my uh, second of my top five here is um, was founded in 1989 and lasted all the way to 2000. So one of the longer running, probably the longest running on my list. Um, founded by a gentleman named Gary Reed. Ah, it is Caliber Comics. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now Caliber is interesting because again, this was part of the books. In part, the significance. Now, I'll read you some of the titles. A.K.A. Goldfish, Baker Street, The Crow, Dead World, Jinx, yep. Kabuki, Maze Agency, Mr. Monster. But a staff said lots of people have Mr. Monster. So I don't know if, like, actually, no, I'm saying I don't know if I would say, like, I don't know even who you would, as the Mr. Monster fan, who you would say, like, how, I don't know if you have a publisher you most associate with Mr. Monster. But anyway, uh, a negative burn. Um Caliper was an interesting company for a lot of reasons. One, um, it was a truly creator-owned model. Um, not dissimilar to the image model. It was a straight, flat fee to produce the books. The creators owned all the rights in every way. And they had a 60-40 royalty split, meaning the creators got 60% of the profits and Caliber got 40%, but the creators maintained all rights to the decisions about what to do with the book and the characters. Um, as a result of that, they were known for being a super tight creative team, uh, crew. They were, a, they were like a legit like family. They, they all traveled together, and we'll get to who those creators were, which is a big part of this, but they all traveled together. They, uh, they were a big presence at cons. Um, they, they basically became each other's best friends. And as we'll hear, that's lasted in many ways to this day. Uh, and the other thing I think is cool about caliber is it was a really eclectic mix of titles. Um, I don't really think there's an easy way to pin them down stylistically. Um, I, I think that, uh, if you, if you know anything about that list of titles I gave you, it, it just really ran the gamut. And, um, and I think that's pretty cool. Now, the, the other reason they make the list is because, uh, I'll read you the creators, and I think you'll figure it out. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, David Mack, Mike Carey, Michael Gatos, Guy Davis, Jim Calafiore, Mike Allred, Phil Hester, Stuart Immonen, Pat Zercher, Ed Brubaker, Jason Lutz, Mike Diodato. 
for most of those guys, this was their first comic place. Yep. Including including Bendis. And if you know Bendis at all, you know that David Mack, Michael Gatos are his two very best friends in the world to this day. Uh, it's the first place that Mike Allred published comics. It's where he created Madman. Uh, it's, I believe, the first place Stuart Eminent ever did a comic. Um, it's the first place Mike Diodato ever did American comics. It's the first place Ed Brubaker ever wrote a comic. So, uh, again, I think if you if you think about what comics were, what mainstream comics were in the heyday of the or the resurgence in the late nineties into the early aughts, um, they, a a big creative force behind that resurgence, particularly at Marvel were these guys. And I think that these were all people that, um, you know, Bendis had a relationship with Casada and came over and Bendis brought most of these guys with him and, uh, people like Diodato and Brew Baker and Mac and Gatos were, were in our collaborators for, for Bendis to this day. So, uh, yeah, just I, I think this is a they really to me, at least in the titles that I've read from them, they, they didn't uh, they didn't have too many whiffs. And the other fun fact about them, because they did last for over a decade, they went out of business, not in the way a lot of these other companies did by just over leveraging. They went out of business basically because of a failed game. They also created were trying to branch out and and be a little more diverse because of what was going on with the economy. So they put millions of dollars into a game called Spawn Power Cards. <laughs> and the the card it was a card game and for some reason they the the, the company the factories they had hired to produce the game miscollated the game. And so essentially none of the games were usable. No game had complete set of cards. And they just were never able to recover from that because they had to sue and it took years of wrangling to get any recovery back financially. So they went bankrupt. And and then shortly thereafter, obviously, Bendis and most of these guys moved on to do their thing elsewhere. Uh, so they just never recovered. But, yeah, I thought I thought Caliber uh, most a lot of this stuff has been reprinted over the years, largely um, thanks to Bendis through places like Image and um at Marvel, uh, what was the name of that imprint? Icon, an icon. icon. Well, um, and um, mm-hmm. the uh, Jinx and Torso, um, they're going to be also reprinted again yeah. uh, yep. over at DC. Correct. Yeah. Another, another so. fun fact: mm-hmm. even though uh, Gary Reed died in 2016, I don't know who is at the helm uh, currently, but in each and every. Uh, issue of the previews catalog there are caliber books being offered in collected edition form yeah so so that's the other point thank you for um because i had that here and i forgot to uh put in my final notes gary brought caliber back in 2014 uh and then unfortunately passed away so uh i guess whoever i don't know who's running it now but but he didn't get to really right he didn't get to stick around to realize the dream of bringing them back and um, uh, he was a little bit salty too at the uh, success of Walking Dead. What with his his oh, de- with Dead the, World yeah, being the precursor right. yeah, to yeah. Walking Dead. So I mean, I, I that when I think Caliber, I think uh, Dead World. That see, was the I, book I, that I drew would, me in. And, and I, the Crow, although that I was read that first really issue read. of of Dead World, I don't know how many times, but when I think of Caliber, I think of the Crow. The Crow is is one of I. There are 
there are stories that are very near and dear to me and um i've talked about before but but the crow is it it may very well be a a top five story for me it's i i don't it's one of those things where it just it hit me at at wherever the hell was going on in my life and and when those those third issue it took a while to come out but when those three issues when when i i read them as they as soon as the dude at mount vernon at the comic shop got it in i i was there and i yeah i know it's based on a true story more or less sort of kind of but it, it's um yeah I, I and and his art i just i don't know what it is about the crow that that and and any any of the movies or any of the stories after the fact and anything that doesn't have to do with eric and and shelly and i just i ignore those but but that that original crow story is just it's it means a lot to me nice all right vince number three number three will elicit chuckles from Mr. Mm-hmm. Price, as it very well should. Oh, it, yes, it was founded in 1984 by the biggest ego in comics, Mr. Neil Adams. Oh, Jesus. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the company was basically an extension of the man. His stable of artists sought to follow in the master's visual footsteps, creating comics that mimicked those of the master in many cases mr adams would do layouts for his progeny to embellish uh they had 10 years of activity from 1984 to 1994 i am of course talking about continuity comics yes i i just adore continuity i have bound volumes of all their books there's not a continuity comic published that i don't already own um especially the tyvek covers and the the die-cut, glow-in-the-dark, chrome-plated bullshit covers. Um, Their titles, Armor, uh, Crazy Man, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, Cyberad, Hybrids, Megalith, Megalith, yes, Ms. Mystic, which was cribbed from Pacific, Um, Samari, which never wore a pair of uh, thongs that didn't ride up her ass. Uh, Valeria the She-Bat, Earth-4, Zero Patrol, Shaw. I love continuity comics. The event that never started or ended death. What? Oh, all, right, the... all right, before you, before you continue. Yes. They were number seven. Awesome. They were not on my list. Never read a continuity comic. You oh, my God, bro. Yeah, you're silly. I believe I bought some at Heroes again this year. But no, I, dude, I'm not. I was, continuity was able to be obtained at the newsstand on the street from my house. I I don't know how many times I read the first issue of Megalith Armor and it's for the Silver Streak, dude. I no, I I am not going to give you shit for continuity because that's ah, that's they're great. I no, I they're they have a special place. Yes, Death Watch two thousand didn't make a whole lot of sense, but by God, those books are gorgeous. And unfortunately, when the company went under, the they were in the midst of another multi-title crossover called the rise of magic which was never finished you see megalith drawn as a werewolf it's like oh my god this is gorgeous rudy nebras is everywhere within the pages of continuity you had michael um 
Diodato Jr. No, yes, Mike Diodato Jr. was in there. Esteban Maroto, Bart Sears, Tom Grinberg. You had uh, Tex, right? Uh, Dan Barry, Vicente Alcazar, uh, Mike. Did I say Mike Netzer? I should have because you should have. Although yeah. Neil might not want to. Um, They're just gorgeous you, books. And again, did you say Tom Grinberg? I did not. I should have Tom Tom Grinberg, but they're just gorgeous, gorgeous titles. If if you love the ladies, pick up a copy of Ms. Mystic because they're Neil Adams has a way with anatomy. We're all aware of this, but he would position um, Ms. Mystic in very compromising poses. On the front of one issue, there's a villain that's trying to rip her apart, and he's got her by the arm and by the leg, and the crotch is like right in your face. Um, they're just gorgeous books. I can't comment about the uh, the story content because they're it's a little thin here and there. Uh, I'll you know so what, but visually these books are absolutely jaw droppingly gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it was it's kind of the dude. How about the crazy man die cut cover that follows the contour of his profile? So the 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 opening edge of the book is like all curved like the human face is it's just crazy and they had to work the pages within the that that arcs of the 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 profile it was just great stuff the continuity did some crazy shit we're printing that uh you know we wouldn't see until years later with 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 the chromium covers and things like that but um and and they gave us the Nason XP, so it's it's continuity, you know, as 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 much shit as I'll give Neil. I there were, you know, following his his Marvel and DC work when he wanted to tell stories with 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 these characters and and that made it was weird, man. I I saw this and I'm like, okay, armor looks cool. I I, I kind of dig that. And then but like super like megalith, cool. it's just like okay, so his his power is that he just ate right and exercised. I'm just like, it's, it's, it was just, I, handsome man. I got, but I got into it, dude. And I was just like, this is cool. This is like, it, it's not like it was, it's not like some other stories where I'm like, Oh, this is, this was meant for me. I, I, they, they, they made this story for me, but it was just, it was, it was almost like it wasn't, obviously it wasn't Marvel or DC, but it was just, it was it, it part of me. And, Part of me just makes it almost feel like it, it was like a, a, a chick track comic book. It was just it was barely like you can kind of take it serious, but but not really don't because we're we're just we're kind of winging it in some places. And yeah, I, I, it, they were somewhat readable, but you didn't. Yeah, I'm at least I didn't buy continuity comics for the stories. Well, I sure as hell didn't buy it for I didn't buy Samurai for that. And no. and, and and after you mentioned, you know, you we, we mentioned Samurai and Mark Beach, and now I want to go back to my list and, and maybe put Penthouse comics on it. I just there there are certain things that um, yeah, Samurai makes me feel funny in my pants. It's just it, it's, it's it's right? a there were <laughs> and aside from Samurai, you know, you pretty much this was. This was pre pre Wildstorm, pre Extreme, or yep. um, or it, where you know, hey, this is Neil Adams. This is how he draws. You're going to draw like this, and um, amazing and Michael matter. Golden covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the gold. Oh, especially on armor. Yeah. Yep. 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 They were beautiful, beautiful books. They really were. Yep. I Jason, I'll, I'll I'll lend you one of my uh, bound editions, and you'll be like, 
man, they're pretty. Not much else, mm-hmm. but they're pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you've always just said about them. You've always said that they looked good, but they weren't much Yeah. story-wise. Um, all right, Dap, number three. We've got to pick this up a little bit. We're number, okay. Um, well, wow. this was this is um, one of me, one of my rule breaks. Um, this is a publisher um, who went away and then kind of not really came back, but they the reason they have to be on my list um is because they gave us comics like Grimjack and Continued Nexus and gave us John Sable Freelance and Badger and Zero Tolerance and E-Man and I I cannot think about a small publisher and this is if they I I was so I kept going back and forth between first and eclipse because they're for a long time. They were synonymous with one another for me. And, um, I just, I, when I think about what I have in my collection, what I was buying when it was coming out and, and, and reading month in month out, uh, and still think about fondly, um, it's Grimjack, it's Nexus, it's Sable, um, and obviously it's it's E-Man. But, although E-Man, it's not like it started at first. But yeah, no, first comics, and, and yes, they relaunched in, in 2011. Um, you Lone can Wolf find them in, in uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. You have, um, there was, I mean, they you had um, Beowulf, Lon- you had... De- London's course, Bar, for God's sake. You, you had, right, which, yeah. which of course was the um, Munden's... Cl- Munden's Bar was the uh, the backup in in Grimjack. Um, you had uh, Mars um, mm-hmm. Evangeline, which I mentioned a little while ago. Uh, Star Slayer, um, Warp, and and Whisper, and they just they uh, okay. American Flag, of course, people are going to bitch about it. That's not mentioned, but the um, the Hawkmoon was that that wasn't a um, Michael Moore. That wasn't a. I, I was just gonna say it. I was the Elric dude. Uh, I never read it, but um, yeah, for, first comics was a uh, was a publisher that uh, definitely did me right. I, I have no, um, I really have no, no bad memories of um, of anything that. Uh, and and Nexus, I mean, you had of course you had Steve Rude, you had Eric Shanauer, you had Paul Smith on art from time to time. Um, Grimjack by Ostrander and 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 Truman at the start. Flint Henry came on. Flint Henry. Um, and 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 I think Vince, uh, we're gonna have um, we'll have Demon Knight as a book of the month nominee. Soon. Oh, when um, those deer explode! Shit, I love that. And um, and you know and and if it, I I knew Mike Grell from of course um, his work on. Green Lantern and um, and and Warlord, if you want to say that, but the um, but for some reason, yeah, I, I, there was something about John Sable, and and it's not like it was an exciting comic. It was just uh, and yes, Mike likes guns because you you had a that was in the foreground of almost you had a splash page of John Sable looking down the scope, looking down <laughs> a sight of a revolver, and almost every issue it's like all right, well we know where he's spending almost and and it's you know, but it was still. If if you like Grell artwork, it was still a um, it was still a cool looking book, and uh, and, and it's I mean thanks to comic mix you can still get um, the Sable stuff, and I think with IDW you can get the Grimjack on the booze, but uh, yeah no first comics was um, I haven't read it anything that they've done since they've been back and and have partnered up with Devils Do, but um, 
for me, first comics is uh, that's that that's part of my comics golden age. On my list, nice. Yep. The first dupe. Da, da, da. Founded by Ken Levin and Mike Gold, Mike and Gold. Mike left shortly after they founded to become a power editor at DC and brought a lot of the dudes over to DC, like Ostrander, um, to work on DC properties. Uh, and then Ken Levin is, well, was at the time, but is now. He is a massive Hollywood power player. He is a lawyer by trade. He is Garth Ennis and Bill Willingham's manager. Has oh, been nice. The start. But he is also the executive producer on about half of the superhero movies and TV shows that we have talked about over the years. Ah. He is a major, major Hollywood power broker. So, worth a ton. And first was from 83 to 91 in the original incarnation. And they were acquired by a company called CIE, which was a publicly traded company at the time. And CIE, like many companies went belly up. They tried to pivot into being a video game internet company. And so Levin being the savvy lawyer that he was went back and reclaimed the rights for pennies in the dollar. So he sold them from, he sold the company for millions and then bought them back for pennies. It's a nice way to do it. Yeah. Sell high, buy low. So yeah, definitely. How 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 could how could I, I know like you said, even though they're technically back, first of all, I can't tell you a book they've put out since they Exactly. Back. Yep. Yep. Um and plus they I mean they're they're murdered devils do I mean, what the fuck? I mean, uh, um, <laughs> you know what? You laugh, but that's friggin' true. It is right? true. Yeah. Uh but but that being said, like you said, I mean I mean fucking dude, Nexus is your shit. Mm-hmm. And Grimjack is phenomenal. Uh-huh. Yep. So Judah the Hammer. Um yes. y- y- we would be doing them a disservice if we didn't mention that first revive the classic illustrated. Oh yes. Oh line, yeah, line so that, was, that was and more than half their business. It, yeah. And they, there was a mm-hmm. phenomenal amount of just legends that worked on those books. Uh Mike Plug, Kyle Baker, oh, Sinkevich. They they uh from Epic, they, they, they brought Dreadstar over. They did, yep. yes. And they okay. were well actually done. the the publisher that did the first color incarnations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. Yep. All right, so my next one, I mean, if it's not on Dap's list, it's because of his Fakakta rules. Because um, I know it's, this publisher means a fucking lot to him. Um, founded in 1993. It is. Sadly, uh, went non-independent in 1997, uh, founded by four gentlemen named Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, Michael Davis, and Derek Dingle. I'm talking, of course, about Milestone Media slash comics. There was a fifth Beatle who who um, who was there and actually designed the logo. What was his name? His name was Christopher Priest. Oh, see, I don't, I don't think Chris – yeah. I don't he's, think he's credited as being a founder. He's not. He's not. Yeah, that's it was, what I'm saying. It was, it was, it was like yeah. it was part of the deal, but no, he was there in the room. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. He's he's vital to the fund. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hardware, Blood Syndicate, Icon, Static, probably, I guess, fair to say they're most famous because of it transcended into a successful cartoon and has made his way, at least at times, into the DC proper. Uh, Shadow Cabinet, Zombie, uh, aside from the gentleman we already talked about, and then, as Dapp said, Christopher Priest. Uh, Tommy Lee Edwards, John Paul Leone, J.H. Williams III, Humberto Ramos, Jamal Igel, C- 
Chris Batista, M.D. Bright, Arvel Jones. For many of those gentlemen, including Tommy Lee and John Paul and J.H., some of their first, if not their first comics work. Um, we have talked about Milestone plenty, probably uh, most recently when Kirkman in his comic show did a pretty cool episode about them. And uh, also when Mr. McDuffie sadly passed away. But um, y'all, I hope if y'all have listened to us for more than a week or two, we don't need to tell you why they're important. They were a company that was designed to bring major, uh, minority creators to tell stories about minority characters and uh, bring that that uh, aspect of people of color into the superhero comics world, which, um, you know, at, at the time was, a well, it's probably, sadly still would be a big deal, but, but was a huge deal at the time. So, um, you know, uh, for reasons that we have mentioned on the show before, Sadly, they didn't last as long as they should. There was a, a lot of ego involved. I think it was interesting in this recent documentary hearing the gentlemen, um, you know, years later kind of give their softer perspectives on it. But basically, they ended up hating each other, um, kind of the, the dividing line. And they ended up selling themselves to D.C. And at first, they were quasi-independent, but part of D.C., but they had full editorial control. And then there was a particular cover that, as the story goes... DC editors were uncomfortable with, asked them to edit. They were going to, then they didn't, and that caused a big rift because a few of them thought it was unprofessional to have not followed through on the promise. But so forth, so on. Bottom line, it ended badly, unfortunately. Um, and there have been a few attempts, because DC owns the characters, of bringing them back. Um, then there was also talk, I think two or three San Diego's ago, about these gentlemen... Um, buying the characters back and kind of doing it their own thing again, but that hasn't been Rachel Hudlin was even involved. Yeah, exactly. He was going to be part of the money behind that. I don't think that ever, well, it certainly hasn't happened yet, but we haven't heard much on that. But bottom line, um, you know, definitely of the five on my list, the one that I read the, the, the most as it happened, I, I bought these books off the shelf and uh, I know to, it, it's, I, I know that since they were, were and are a part of DC, some might consider this not fair play because honestly, like you could then include Wildstorm, which I did not include. Um, just my own rules. I thought Wildstorm was like too much DC, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Milestone had to be on my list. Two things. Um, I would I would definitely consider Wildstorm because they were independent for a good while. Before DC, before Jim Lee sold them to DC. So, uh, whereas Milestone, the deal was always to be published by DC. So, yes, they were in the DC part of the catalog. Um, you, they, they had the DC bullet on their cover. Yes, they were, they were given free reign to do things with these characters, but they were still sort of kind of under the DC umbrella. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that would be my, um, yeah, I put Wildstorm for me just because I do agree that they had a long run on their own, but then they they just spent a long time and even now are so inextricably linked with DC. Oh, and, sure. Even to the point of basically they bought Wildstorm because they wanted Jim Lee to run the company and be a part yeah. of Walt DC. So you know what I mean? Like so, but anyway, but but we each have our own rules. I mean, Wildstorm was, <laughs> was certainly the, the, these these two companies were similar in a lot of ways, but but this one had my heart. Wildstorm never really had my heart, although they obviously had some phenomenal, phenomenal comics. So this was or was not on your list? Did you cut them off because of 
No, I, I originally had Milestone, and then in parentheses I said, I, I actually have this in notes, I said nope, and then in air quotes, owned by DC. But because they only ran for um, for four years as Vince Chuckles, they, they, they were my number two. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, it was, cool. Right. It, it, so so we'll skip over that part for me. But yeah, no, you... Um, you know, you mentioned it. You had, you had Chris Cross. I, I follow Mark Bright wherever he goes. Uh, you know, loved him on Iron Man and enjoyed him as as um, on Green Lantern. Um, so Joe. when he got to draw Icon, um, yeah, I don't really read them on GI Joe all that much. Oh, GI Joe um, stuff's great. Well, for me, GI Joe, like if it wasn't Herb Trimpey after that, it was like Rod Wingham. That was that was the GI <laughs> Joe artist for me. Um, but. Uh, Cowan on um, hardware. On, on hardware, um, bright on icon. You had um, the awesome Leon Art for uh, for static. Um, you had Trevor Von Eden and then Crisscross on Blood Syndicate. Um, I the Worlds Collide event was just, but it I you know seeing seeing the Superman family of. of line of books crossing over with with the milestone stuff um again getting in on the ground floor with the whole big bang and 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 the bang babies and it just everybody's got powers because of something that happened on this bridge at dakota um the fictional town of of dakota they always like to say it, it's just yeah i um it was one of those things where i it was it was fresh and new and exciting and and um, it literally a lot more street than just about any other DC title at the time. Um, creators that were fan, that I was a fan of at the time, um, they 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 did their little gimmick thing for the first issues. You, you the collectors' first issue with the poster and the trading card and the poly bag. Yep. Uh, then you have the newsstand cover, and then you have the um, the direct market cover uh without all the extra stuff but they all had their um their 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 gimmick first issue um and i i dug the the edge blood syndicate gave off with 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 tech nine and dmz and um and holocaust and it's just it's a rat catcher and oh dude and and you had and you know it was it it was like X-Men kicked up a notch because they, they, they weren't attractive. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at least X-Men can kind of blend in. Like like when he's not Colossus, Peter's just a big dude. And you know, Cyclops is wearing sunglasses. It's it's just so these – but, I mean, you know, Brickhouse isn't really going to fit in somewhere. No. Nope. And, and, and he's a rat catcher and, and uh, you know, poor fade. And, and you know, and, and some of the powers are weird. It's like, okay, so you'd only go back in time three seconds? So it's just but, – mm-hmm. but I love the way they make shit work. And, and Icon, dude, it's it's Black Superman. And the whole point yep. where he – you know, he, he's been around. He's been on this planet since the days of slavery. And, and when his, his, his pod landed <laughs> – the reason he's he's a black dude is because it was a slave woman who found him in the field and and Church. so he's just like so as soon as she <laughs> touched it. the pod that's when you know that that that, that was the genetic makeup for it jason's and, in the background can um, i get a witness so he's my hype man dude Tell i me. knew i'd hand off so, this when he go with it you you and 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 static was just i mean he's a teenage kid and and you know and he dug his white girlfriend and and it's it's just I, I, I don't his, his, his method of propulsion Jimmy. is a garbage can lid. Dude, I mean, and, and seriously, it's just, and, and he's a smart kid. I mean, and, and it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, so that was, that was like the Spider-Man connection for me. And, 
Um, Hell yeah. And, and, and hardware was just, I mean, he was, he was the angry black man. He's like, here he is working for this dude. This, this old crotchety white guy who's got him under his thumb. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to, you know, I, you own all the shit I'm doing, but I'm going to bring you down from the inside. And I just, everything yeah. was, it was smartly made. And yes. And then they, you know, they, they spun out with, with shadow cabinet and zombie and, and they, brought in a bunch more characters but those core four man that's that that was that was a beautiful time long story short uh for those of you who have never read a milestone book you can't really go wrong with any of them that's true um if you're it does hurt my heart that they haven't like i I guess it's the rights issues but they don't that they haven't put out great omniboo collections of these it has to be with rights i guess but that hurts my heart yeah. It hurts my heart, but every time I find something in the back issue, Ben, I'm big on them. Me up. too. No, me I too. know, but you know me. I'm all about that show. Oh, no, absolutely. I'd love to look at my bookshelf and see spines of, yeah. of hardware and icon, without yeah. a doubt. Definitely the tightest Dennis Cowan has ever looked. And you know who inked them on some of those in the early issues? Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. There you go. All right. right on. Where are we going now? Well, well that was my number two. So you're up. Just to recap, because Dap and I are now, we've, we've got four out of the way, and you've got three. Uh, Vince so far, Skywall, Eclipse, Continuity, uh, Dap, Event, Defiant, First, and Milestone. Uh, myself, Cross-Gen, Caliber, First, and Milestone. Okay. So Dap and I have one left each, and you have two left, so why don't you go ahead. All right. My number four, as I uh, alluded to early on in this episode, is was chosen solely on the strength of two titles uh this publisher was uh founded in 1995 and bit the dust in 1997 so not a whole lot of time the uh laurie silvers and mitchell rubenstein were the uh the founders and it was a branch of big entertainment they published books like isaac asimov's ibots John Jake's Mulcon Empire, which I did read. Leonard Nimoy's Primortals. Uh, Mickey Spillane's Mike Danger. Gene Roddenberry's Lost Universe. Uh, Tad Williams' Mirror World. But I didn't read almost any of those. Uh, I did read, like I said, uh, Mulcon Empire. But uh, the two titles that I did follow uh, and devoured ravenously were Neil Gaiman's Mr. Hero, the Pneumatic Man, and Neil Gaiman's Technophage. These two books are some of the finest comics I've ever read. Um, I just I, I love the character of Mr. Hero, which was a uh, it's a very steampunk book. He was a creation that uh, Phage. Uh, cobbled together to be an assassin. He was supposed to be a killer. And he bucked his programming and became a hero. Um, the uh, men in charge of Phage was, of course, Rick Veach and Brian Talbot. Paul Jenkins uh, later took over the book. Uh, but um, it's the Rick Veach and Brian Talbot Phage that I, I love so much. And the uh, the uh, Mister Hero and Phage worked in tandem, which with each other they were two books of a shared universe, and I just love them so much. So my number four is Techno Comics. 
I can't pimp anything other than Phage and um, Mr. Hero, but damn, that's enough for me. I love, love, right. love those books. I must say complete uh, white space for me. I remember when they were coming out. Technophage has been reprinted and offered in affordable uh, collected editions recently, uh, as in the last two years within previews. So if, I mean, if you're back issue diving and you see Technophage or Mr. Hero, grab those suckers because those books are really good. Yeah. Exceptional books. All right. Do you want to do your last and final or you want Dap and I to go and you can finish this off? I'll do my last and final. Okay. This publisher was touted as comics for people who love to read comics. They are, of course, Claypool comics. <laughs> I, have, yeah, I, I, I have never, ever read an issue of Claypool comics that I didn't absolutely love. I, I've never heard of them. And you had to make a substantial investment of time in a Claypool comic. They were wordy as AF. Um, the average issue of Deadbeats or Phantom of Fear City or uh, Soul Searchers and Company would take you at least a half an hour or more to read. Dialogue out the wazoo. I mean, uh, if you don't, if you're not aware of Claypool Comics, what they did was, with the exception of Elvira, they they were the ones that published the Elvira series, which ran for a massive 166 issues from May 1993 to February 2007. Soul Searchers and Company, which was written by Peter David was some of the first professional work by David? Um, crap, I do know this. Amanda Connor. Mm. Yes. Soul Searchers and Company ran 82 issues from June 1993 to February 2007. Phantom of Fear City, was, which was written by Steve Engelhart, featuring art by John Nyberg, and uh, Frank Springer, George Perez did a bunch of covers. Um, May 1993 to May 1995. But my all-time favorite Claypool comic is The Deadbeats, which ran for 82 issues from June 1993 to February 2007, which was written and drawn by Richard Howell, who is the editor-in-chief of Claypool right. Comics, and inked by Ricardo Villagran. Deadbeats is an amazing story, and even though it only lasted 82 issues in print, you can still read, to this freaking day, new episodes of Deadbeats on the Claypool Comics website. It's a story of two warring factions of vampires, the titular Deadbeats and um, another group. It's a soap opera. You got Kirby Collier and his brother Mason are brought into this um, Connecticut town, Mystic Grove, Connecticut, which is renamed Fear City because of all the wacky supernatural hijinks that go on. All of the Claypool books, with the exception of Elvira, once in a while, um, are centered around this Fear City. And it's just a shared universe. It's gorgeous. Richard Howell is one of those unsung heroes of comics. If you've read Vision and Scarlet Witch, right? 
We've all read that. That's Richard Howell. Yep. How you like me now? And uh, the uh, he also he he enjoyed um, drawing Hawkman too. Yes, the uh, the Hawkman miniseries. But the combination. Oh snap! You're right. Yeah, the combination of um, Villagran over Richard Howell Deadbeats is absolutely gorgeous. Every panel, every page is mm-hmm. is masterful. I mean, Howell has a way with. He's a classicist. He draws. Um, human anatomy the way it exists in nature. I mean, the guy has a command of human anatomy that's amazing. His his line work is sumptuous. I mean, if you ever... Ah, screw that. If you ever see copies of Claypool comics in the back issue bins, buy them and send them to me. Because I do not have complete runs of these books, but thanks to Comics Lit... No, not Comics Lit. Comic Comic Mix. Comic, Comic Mix... You can currently buy the in omnibus format, which contains the first 12 issues of Deadbeats, Phantom of Fear City, and Soul Searchers and Company. They're 25 bucks a piece, but much less if you get them from DCBS. And like I said, you get 12 issues of each of these books, and it will take you a buttload of time to read them. Uh, I mean, I love cumbersome dialogue. Um, flamboyant, over-the-top, um, comic booky style dialogue. And Richard Howell is a master of that. I want to read you, real quick, something from... No, stop. Something from, from Deadbeats. You have this vampire hunter named named Kane who comes into the, uh, the confines of the members of, of Fear City. And... Um, I'm I'm trying to find some good dialogue here that just that is very typical of the way Richard Howell writes. Uh, Okay, you have a vampire called Dodger. Listen to this. There's a a vampire named Southie that is the the ersatz leader of the the Deadbeats, and the the other vampires are trying to do something and keep him out of the loop. And this is just typical dialogue. This is one panel. That's not what's important, Southie. It's what this whole community down there, thousands of living beings going about their own business every day, each thinking that their lives, their plans, their dreams mean something, that they're visualizing a future means it'll happen, that they don't know is that they're not people, they're not important, they're just prey, our prey. Here in Mystic Grove, humanity is far below us. And this goes on for page after page. It's a soap opera, and it, I just love every syllable of this damn thing. So, check out Deadbeats, read them, and then send them to me, because I need, a com- <laughs> I need complete runs of this book, and they're very, very hard to find. Because Claypool comics, were sm- they were short-run books. They didn't sell a massive amount of comics, but they were thick books, beautifully illustrated, Unfortunately, you'll never see the Elvira books reprinted ever again. So if you're an Elvira fan, which I am, you need to scour the back issue bins for her series because it's never, ever going to be reprinted. Read them, then send them to me. So my number five, Claypool Comics. I love, love Claypool Comics. Well done. All right, Dad. Drum roll, Number one, my favorite... um, Small publisher. Um, Can I guess? In, go ahead. 
Marat. Marat. Well, you want you want to? I want to. I want to just guess. Take the wind out of my sails. No, tell sure. me if I'm wrong. Mirage. Oh, good night, folks. Did you? Did I really pick it? No. Oh, damn. What's your number one? <laughs> they started in 1982. They ran until about 1997. Uh, really, not exactly the way they started mm-hmm. out. This is, as, I, this is my guess. Yeah. Um, they uh, they published fantastic titles um, like Primer and uh, Sobek and Ginger Fox. Oh, damn it. But I absolutely adore them for <laughs> Mage, the hero discovered, mm-hmm. and Grendel. And Robotech the Macro Saga and Robotech the New Generation and Robotech Masters. Um, Johnny Quest, which I would love to have a complete set of again. Uh, there was just... Um, the Max. I, I absolutely enjoyed what I read from Komiko. And, yeah. um, Shit, I should have picked that. I knew you were... Mm-hmm. Damn it. <laughs> they, they, uh, I didn't say because I knew Dab would. They just, I mean, I and and Justice Machine is another title that that, that bounced around from company to company. But um, you know, I, I no need to, can run down creators on some of their titles. I mean, Mage not really because it is written and illustrated by Matt Wagner with Rich Rankin and then um, Sam Keith on inks on the Grendel backup. You had uh, the Grendel title all written by. Um, Matt Wagner, but every arc written by, drawn by another artist. The first 12 issues by the Panda Brothers is Vince Loves because it introduces Christine Spar. You betcha. Um, you had uh, Bernie Moreau. You had Jay Geldof and Jacob, um, well, Geldof inked uh, the Panders. Um, you had uh, Wagner come back for a couple of issues. You had Tim Sale, uh, J.K. Snyder. There there was, you know, and, and it ran for um it, that uh, no it, it 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 ran for um we'll say 40 issues but uh from grendel um the the robotech the robotech titles were were adaptations of of the cartoons um which i would watch in the afternoons after school uh and then when um when i was able to to read those issues and and had art by like neil vokes and um and it, it, they were just they were like i said they were adaptations so if i was enjoying the cartoon i i enjoyed um the comic quite a bit uh reggie byers also drew on the the new generation so not really a ton of 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 creators you would remember names you'd recognize these days on some of the titles but the johnny quest series was well, done in one stories, uh, kind of like single issue anthologies. But uh, you had um, you had written some by uh, Doug Wildey, the series creator. Um, but some of the art teams that um, he had drawing those stories. Uh, you had Steve Rude, you had uh, Wendy Peeney and, and Joe Staten, uh, William Esmer Loeb's wrote some issues uh and then he actually finished the series up because at that point um for the, the last bunch of issues uh mark hempel and mark wheatley took over the art duty so it wasn't a um each issue wasn't done by a different creative team 
but you had Adam Kubert and uh, Dan Spiegel, uh, Ken Stacy. There was just I, I, I enjoyed all the covers. They're pretty much wrap around covers. Um, the uh, the Johnny Quest series was just was a lot of fun for me, only because I got to see artists that I don't get to see every single month. Um, but yeah, Kamiko was just um, yeah. I, I, we knew they were getting into trouble, um, and uh, I, I didn't. I really wasn't around towards the very end. But um, Dark Horse was able to, um, with Matt's sister-in-law Diana Schutz, able to get the um, Matt brought Grendel over to them, and they reprinted the the ongoing Grendel series. They they broke broke that up into limited series and, and just reprinted um, the stories individually um, and image of course Matt brought the mage series over to uh, to image where he's concluding that series um, but Komiko is just um, yeah I, it's they didn't do a ton of comics that uh, that I could rattle off like I can with other publishers but the books that they did publish um helped make me the the comic book fan I am and and I just I would not um have as much love for the medium if uh, if I did not read the comics that they were uh, that they were able to put out did, uh did you not mention the elementals I I didn't um but yes I mean that was a huge huge title for them Bill Willingham um but Elementals was a book that I didn't really read a lot mm-hmm. of, um, but they were they were a very important book at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I mean the ads whenever they would show up either in Amazing Heroes or even in in uh, in the Kamiko titles, um, it, it, it's they shouldn't be ignored. I just I, sure I didn't mention them only because I, I yeah yeah didn't read a whole lot of it. And uh, founded by Jerry Giovinco and Bill Cucinata. Two paisans. They're paisans, Vince. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Exclusive. Did we lose Vince? Is he pumping a shizer? Is he? Yeah, mute. Wow, is he gone? Did, Did we lose him? Let's take it off mute. Where is he? Wow. Is Icon still here? He is. All right, well, I'll get to my... Oh, is it still... it's gone now, right? No, it's still here. Okay. Um, well, I'll get to my my final one. Yes. Um, and that is uh, founded in 1986. Uh, closed shop in 1994. Founders' names were Dave Ulbrich, Tom Mason, and Scott Rosenberg. I am talking about Malibu Comics. Yes, you are. Malibu Comics. So let me be clear. This this is not my favorite collection of comic books of the five <laughs> on my list. <laughs> but I, I didn't see how I couldn't give Malibu some love because I just think they hold this in, insanely interesting place in the history of comics. Um, they, they they along with like Pacific and a couple others were, were this strange group of they were born from like distributors and they had kind of their hands on lots of different pieces of the industry. 
And they had acquired some rights to things like the old Aerosol comics and the Centaur comics. And then they um, they were just doing their thing, not having a tremendous amount of success, to be honest. But then uh, a couple guys named Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Rob Liefeld, Wills Portacio. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, who am I forgetting? Who are the other two? That I'm sorry. Oh, La- Eric Larson and yes. who, who's the last one? Uh, Silvestri. Silvestri, Mc- Larson, Lee, McFarlane. Right. Mm-hmm. Valentino. Valentino. Uh, those gentlemen decided <laughs> that they were going to start. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. I am back. What happened? What happened? Where'd you go? I had to go pee. Oh. Those gentlemen decided they were going to leave the comfy confines of Marvel Comics and start their own Mar- uh, line. They didn't really know how to do it, but they had a friendly connection at Malibu who knew both how to distribute and how to print comics. And so Malibu did the printing and distribution for Image Comics in their first year. And as a result, for that one year, Malibu Comics was the second largest publisher in comics, overtaking DC. They had a 10% market share and were second only to Marvel, thanks to the uh, the first year of Image with Spawn and Youngblood and the like. Um, now, unfortunately for them, and this is why I find them fascinating, <laughs> uh, Image was so unbelievably successful that they very quickly didn't need to use Malibu as a middleman. They had more than enough money to print their own comics and distribute them. And they went and did so. And Dave and Tom and Scott weren't trying to have that. They had gotten a taste of what it was like to have uh, a new, exciting, action-packed superhero world. So they decided, well, shit, we can do what Image did. Just do it ourselves. Which gave us the Ultraverse. The wonderful, wonderful Ultraverse. Yes! That's right. With the likes of Exiles and Prime and Mantra and Hardcase and Nightman and Rune and Sludge and Sludge. Solitaire. Yep. Yes. With creators and this and wait for it. Barry Windsor Smith. Yes. Steve Englehart. Yes. Gerard Jones. Steve Gerbervins. Mm, I know. Paul Pelletier. Aaron Lepresti. A guy named Gabriel Gecko. <laughs> <laughs> who, who many of you now know as Gabriel Hardman. Len Strazuski, Norm Brayfogle, R.I.P., Kyle Holtz, Mike Barr, Terry Dodson. Yep. Derek Robertson. Now, again, these were 90s books. They were not, like, they, these are not books that you're going to pick up off the shelves and, and read and say, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? But it was a connected 90s superhero universe, and it was hot for a minute, and... Uh, by the way, I didn't mention a title named Men in Black. Yes, they were one of the first companies to actually bring one of their titles to the big screen as a blockbuster. I don't think most people realize that out of our little crazy universe that Men in Black is a comic movie. Um, so, yeah, just I found them fascinating that they lived through a couple different periods of comics and then flamed out in epic style. Um, and then they were acquired and, and are now owned all the properties. The IP is owned by Marvel, but Marvel does nothing with it. I'm sure there's a story there. I don't know if they can't, won't, whatever, but they, they don't do anything with it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 Malibu 
holds an interesting place in the industry's history. I definitely was into the Ultraverse for a minute. And the other cool thing about them is um, now that now the, as the story goes, uh, Marvel acquired them. A lot of people said for a long time that Marvel actually acquired them because of their digital coloring technology. Now, yep. the, the powers that be have since all said that so that wasn't true. Now, whether it's it was true and they've retconned it, I don't know. But it is worth mentioning that they were the first to master digital co- coloring. They built the technology and they taught all their crew on how to do it. And although, needless to say, in 2018, digital coloring is probably a thousand times more advanced than it was when they were doing it in the um, early 90s, it is it is important to note that these guys made that a reality, the idea of being able to color comics using uh, computers. And so, uh, yeah, just for all those reasons, I think they hold a very strange place in the evolution of comics from the eighties into the nineties to the bust to what it now is. And so for that, they belong on my list for sure. Aww. Did y'all read any of the Malibu? Hell yeah. Well, Vince has a page from a Malibu book. I do. I have many bound editions of Malibu books. That's yeah. right. That's I, I, I mean the, I, Enjoyed X Mutants, but um, when I think of Malibu, yeah, there, there's there's of course the Ultraverse, but um, yeah, Malibu it always was visually striking for me. Yeah, um, for sure. and and yeah, I do. It's yes, they 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 published Young Blood, and that was pretty much it um, mm-hmm. because these these six young kids and an old guy mm-hmm. who should know better thinks that you know we know how to publish, but we can put out comics. It's not hard to be, but. Um, yeah, I, I have uh, I have no issues with Malibu being your number one, nice. and it's it's a. Um, to be fair, uh, I should say uh, first was number my number one. Um, it's just oh that, okay. Yeah, it's just it's weird to talk about them. So Malibu was on my number two on my list, but so there you go. So our top fives uh, coming at you. So uh, we only had two overlap. Um, Vince's and these are in alphabetical order because I sorted. Claypool continuity. Eclipse, Skywald, and Techno with a K. Daps, Kamiko, Defiant, Event, First, and Milestone. Myself, Caliber, Crossgen, First, Milestone, and Ultraverse. Not Ultraverse, Jesus. Uh, Malibu. Um, I'm Freudian slip there. Uh, Malibu. Uh, and Vince also said that Warren probably would have been number one bullet for him because it was more of an honorable mention because he didn't want to include them because he would gush too much. Any other honorable mentions, I will throw out, um, for me, some of the ones that, that I gave a lot of consideration to but ultimately passed on. Uh, Mirage. Like Hell you said, yeah. 1983, sure, sure. Eastman and Laird. The reason I didn't put them on is because by their own admission, it was called Mirage because it really wasn't even a company. They just putting out their own comic. Um, now, they did put out lots of comics, but by and large, they were lots and lots of comics related to Turtles. Um, they did do some of uh, Stan Sakai's Usagi. They did put out a – talk about a book that doesn't fit with the rest. Puma Blues, um, which okay. is interesting with Michael Zuli, which is an odd sort of little book that – like it doesn't seem to fit the rest of their book. Our good friend and listener, Michael Dooney, was part of that original TMNT crew and yeah, yeah. got a start there. Yep. Eric Talbot. Um and technically, they still exist in some form. 
Yes. So, do not reason f- why I didn't put them on my list. Do not forget Steve Bissett's Taboo. Yes. Yeah. Which which mm-hmm. led to From Hell. Yes. Which is one of the all-time greatest graphic novels. Uh, another one I'm surprised none of us had on our list. I thought you, one of you two might, Vince particularly. Pacific. It oh, is on my it's, Yeah, it's, love it's Pacific. I, Dark Lawn and Mystic, uh, Mystic and, and Somerset Holmes are um, two things I think about with Pacific. Uh, innovation is an honorable mention for me. Uh, Quantum Leap, Hero Alliance again, Maze Agency again, Justice Machine again. Yep. Uh, now Comics. Damn it, you stole one of mine. Shit, you Terminator took it. and Speed Racer and Racer X. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I guess cheating would be um, Bravura or or Legend, which was a Dark Horse imprint with right. uh, Byrne and Lee and Mignola. Um, not Lee, um, Miller and Mignola. Um, kind of is cheating. Tundra, right? It is. It is. That's, yeah, that's why I wouldn't. Right. Um, Blackthorn, and as I mentioned at the start, uh, slave labor graphics. So just the ones uh, that kind of started with. All right. Sure. I have on, some. On, on, we'll just wait. I just Dap's don't want you to ran, steal them. Dap ran with it. I didn't I did. get to talk about Pacific at all here. Um, they uh, they were the first place Howard Adams ever created comics. Yeah. And it was also a place that Kirby Comics, he Captain Victory and yes. Silver Star. And they also deserve credit because, and this is part of why they got in trouble, frankly, um, they started really making their comics pretty using better paper and better cover stock. And uh, that unfortunately ran their, their, <laughs> their cost of goods up and made it hard for them to turn a profit. But, but uh, so they were innovative as well. And they really got into trouble because they, um, they were a major distributor for a decade before they started making comics. And once the distributor war started, a lot of the other publishers – said, fuck this, I'm not going to give one of my distributors my comic line to sell. And uh, they got a lot of, they basically, they, they had, they lost share because they couldn't, they couldn't offer a complete catalog of comics. So anyway, um, but go ahead, go ahead, Vince. Dap, I'm going to throw some yes. titles at you. Okay. X-Mutants. Yep. Trouble with Girls. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this, right? Well, because, right, because X-Mutants eventually made their way to Malibu. Yes. But before that, and yes, Lester Girls, Trouble with Girls. Evan Dorkin's Pirate Corps. Apache Dick. They were one of the, they did Captain Harlock. I'm talking about Eternity. Who yes. doesn't Who doesn't love Eternity, right? Mm-hmm. Gundam reprints. Nobody was doing Was Gundam. that Hero Company? Is that, did they have that? Who? Eternity. Yeah, they Hero Company. Uh, let's see. It doesn't look like it because it's not on this list that I have. Um, all right, so Eternity. I have another one. Aircell. Yes. Aircell, yep. Yes, yeah. with Dragon Force and uh, Icarus, and which was Dave Cooper's first work. Um, Mutant Zone and 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 Silverstorm and Southern Squadron, Leather and Lace. Area eighty eight. Uh, eighty eight. What? Who did Area eighty eight? That was that was a manga adaptation. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. That, that was you off the- no. The Area eighty eight was Pacific. It was um, damn it, Eternal. See, were, were they Eclipse also? They were Eclipse. Yes, and I did okay. mention that, and I I should mention that this bottle of wine is now gone. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, it's a little silly, but um, Aircell Comics 
is was the publisher of one of my all-time favorite elf lord and the many incarnations of of that book and Ercel's also the uh the birthplace of of um a lot of titles that you know existed on the fringe of uh the direct market but you know it 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 was one of those publishers that whenever i had money left over i would pick up an air cell book i'm sure you know there's many other people out there that say say the same things but they were always pretty but like continuity you know not not a lot of content they mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they they drag things out a little bit but um and i think i would be i would have to punch myself in the nuts if i did not mention dennis kitchen and kitchen sink kitchen press. sink i really thought that would be on your list yeah. it it was going to be on my list because not only did dennis champion the reprints with alley oop and flash gordon and crazy cat little abner um nancy all that but dennis is instrumental in in my love of comics with comics book which was published in tandem mm-hmm. with marvel but then the last two issues were published through kitchen sink but dap with his bizarre sex that he scored at um new york new york comic-con this year and snarf and um megaton man megaton man oh, came, came out of kitchen sink and death yes. rattle mm-hmm. which was a mm-hmm. uh, uh, throwback to the the old ec days and um no dap uh, omaha the cat dancer came out of kitchen of sink yep so Sh- yeah you gotta mention and all their will eisner reprints yep so yep. Xenozoic Tales came out of Kitchen Sink. Mm-hmm. So monster, Playing monster. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? Yep. But um, if you want to know more about Kitchen Sink, I would direct you to an amazing book called Kitchen Sink Press, The First 25 Years, which is very affordable, unlike the Skywald book. You can get it on Amazon for like seven bucks used. It's great. It's an amazing book, and it just goes through the whole litany of all Dennis Kitchen did, where he came from, um, the undergrounds, and what he did at Kitchen Sink, and then, you know, it's it's just great. Pick it up. Nice. A couple other honorable mentions for me. Awesome Comics, 97 to 2000. Um, it's, kind of, it's extreme slash awesome, but this is Rob's company, which was, um, you know, run by Jeff Loeb, people might not remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Rosenberg backed him and gave us Supreme and Youngblood and Glory and Fighting American and uh, and has recently been sold, that well, the IP at least, to Netflix. So we will be seeing these characters in, uh, in all their Netflix glory in the next few years. Um, one that I guess I didn't include because technically they were a DC imprint pretty quickly, which was Helix, but... That was Transmet was at Helix first. People forget, and then it was brought over to Vertigo and um, some of Mike, yeah, some of Michael Moorcock and Garth Ennis and Chaykin and Dave Gibbons. They were it was some of their earliest work in in American comics. All yep. came from Helix. Tommy Lee um, Edwards on uh, yep. Gemini Blood. Yep, uh, and then my my um, I, I did. I'm convinced. I was surprised. I guess none of us really went the indie route. I was surprised you didn't um, you didn't mention Picture Box. Because they don't really make stuff anymore, and I figured you still you love Picture Box, but um, I thought Picture Box and Ad House certainly deserve shoutouts. Uh, sure, I know Ad House is still around, although you know Chris isn't putting a ton out anymore. But awesome. And then my last honorable mention was Tops, 
92 to 98, Jim Salakrup. You had the Kirby verse, right? Yep. Yeah. Bombast, right? Roy Thomas. X Files. Yep. You had Captain Glory. Was, uh, Captain Glory was Ditko and Roy Thomas. Teen Agents, which was Kurt Busiek and uh, Dave Beatty. Lady uh, Rawhide. So, what's that? Lady Rawhide. Mm hmm. You had Silver Star with Busiek and, and my boy Jerry Conway and Heck on art. Night 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 Glider, uh, Roy Thomas and Conway and Heck, uh, Victory, Busick, Giffen and Palmiotti. So awesome collection of creators uh, there, and um, yeah, they went belly up because too much growth and did the whole card thing, and it was a mess. But they were the so. first to do the Jurassic Park comics. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. And um, Ray Bad, oh, sorry, Ray Bradbury's uh, yes. tales. Which featured Richard Corman within the pages. Nice. So there you have it. That was fun. The definitive was, word on smaller fun. publishers throughout no. the years. Definitive. <laughs> Jesus. I I could talk for hours on Picture Box, which was why I didn't mention them at all. Mm-hmm. They're in a separate category. Sure, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean because and like I didn't I didn't include humanoids are drawn in quarterly or fanta because they're still out there doing their thing and yeah top shelf certainly i mean huge huge impact for me as a comic reader but yep they're still technically doing their thing i mean they're part of boom now so yeah i didn't include fanographics out of spite <laughs> yep. fair enough yep righty fair enough there you go all right so I let's, consider, i'm sorry i i wouldn't have it, it's it's weird when i think of yeah, A, I don't think of, for whatever reason, I really don't think of Fantagraphics as a s- small publisher, but I don't, I view them as, as um, a lot of text pieces more than, than actual comic books, and that's <laughs> that's on me. I know, obviously, they do publish comic books, yeah, but, but no, I, mean, I mean, like, with with the magazines and the text pieces and, and, and the historical books and things like that, I don't. They put out a lot of comics, bro. Yeah. I, I know, I know they do, but I don't, I don't go to Fantagraphics, to, I mean, I, I, Get the now anthology. I, I, I this fucking uh, prison pit. I know that they, you know, they, they, they do comics, but I just, I don't view them really mm-hmm. as publisher the way I do others. When the number one um, comic on your resume is Love and Rockets, you really don't have to have anything after that. That is true, you know. But you want to treat people like shit. That's what happens. So. That is true too. Hey, wow, that was fun. We should do that again. In an, Absolutely. In, well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, in another couple of years. For sure. Yeah. But uh, remember, there's only one place to get your books and get them fast and get them delivered right to your door, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Remember, write these down from Antarctic. Exciting comics, number one. Jason's getting it. You should, too. It'll cost you a dollar nine after your forty five percent discount. Stop. From, from Black Mask. Nobody is in control. Number one. Truer words were never spoken. Three ninety nine cover price, your price, one dollar ninety nine cents. And from Image, the Weatherman trade paperback. Volume one, Jody LaHoop, Nathan Fox, seventeen ninety nine cover, uh uh-uh, uh, yours for eight dollars and ninety nine cents. In your travels, we're, I'm going to give you some homework because it's something that Jason Dapp and myself have read. I implore you, if you think Marvel has run out of gas, think again 
because this current thing with the defenders and the best defense, the Immortal Hulk, Namor, Silver Surfer, and Doctor Strange, it's good. Right? Do you back me up very, on this? Big it's, time. It's very good. So for next episode, I would love to talk to my boys about these uh, quartet of titles. Hopefully the, the number one issue will come out before then, right? So we'll be able to talk about the whole thing. But read Best Defense, Immortal Hulk, Namor, Doctor Strange, and Silver Surfer. And I just have to add uh, Silver Surfer with um, Mr. Latour on writing and drawing. There's nobody working in comics today better than Jason Latour. Yeah, that's amazing. The man, and I'm, I love, I think Matthew Allison is my favorite illustrator working in comics, but he's indie, self published yeah. arena. Big comics, quote, big comics, nobody's better than Jason Latour. Nobody. The guy is just a phenomenal illustrator. And if you pick up the Silver Server, you'll see why. He just knocks it flat out dead, kills it. So, yeah, read the best defense, Defenders. That's true. Cosign, and I got to say, I uh, reading Latour's Silver Surfer made me both excite and salty because I, I selfishly wish we got more of his art. Yeah. Yeah. I think three, it's a, three, it, three issues is not enough in a year. I think it's a need, need more of his art. Quality over quantity type thing. Oh, I'll take it. I'd rather have yeah. three than zero. But I'd love for my man to find a rhythm and get eight issues. Be awesome. His his line is so gorgeous. I want to snort it and just trip trip balls. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I really don't have anything to add other than what Vince already said. So yes, I I read Surfer and Strange. I will have um, Immortal Hulk and Namor's issues read for next week. Um. In your travels, I do. I, I didn't read this entire issue. I stopped dead in my tracks. It's an anthology. It's Star Trek Waypoint Special Number One. Um, the uh, the story that made me read that that made me jump ahead. There's four stories in this issue. The one that I absolutely adore and may have to find a way to put it on my eleven o'clockers is called My Human Is Not. It is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art amazingly, beautifully illustrated by Sonny Liu. It is a story about Data and his cat Spot. And I, it's it seriously, I don't know. I whether it was you know we went for what I, I don't know what the hell it was, but something happened in the story that that hit me in the feels. And um, it's 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 a fantastic short story um haven't read the other three yet so it may be the only one carrying the whole issue but in your travels if you want to read a if you're a star trek fan if you're a star trek next generation fan um i i would ask that you read the story from star trek waypoint all right and in your travels first after you listen to this episode Drop whatever else you're doing and head over and vote for the 11 O'Closkers, which are our annual awards recognizing our favorites in a variety of categories. Um, 
I can give you the URL, but the easiest way to find it is to go to 11oClockComics.com and our webmaster extraordinaire, DAP, has got a tab. So go to 11oClockComics.com and you'll see a tab right next to the episodes tab called the 2018 11 O'Clockers. You click on that, it will bring you to the Google form, Google form sheet, one or the other, but because um, the URL is hella long, so I'd rather you just do it that way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so please vote. Just as a reminder, if we get at least 100 entries this year, we will do a drawing on the episode randomly of those completed entries, and the winner will get a Marvel or DC omnibus. It's got to be in print, so none of this like out of print eBay $500 <laughs> nonsense. But if it's in print and your name is called that night, you can hit us up and we will I will procure that book for you and mail it to you happily. So there's incentive. I mean, you should just want to vote because you want to vote and celebrate. But y'all motherfuckers didn't even need prizes, so I'm going to give you a nice all prize. Jesus. <laughs> I, I no, don't think it... Cool. You can't yes. call our listeners motherfuckers. Well, you can, but they, no, they know it's from love. They know it's from love. We yeah. love them. Um, <laughs> and then after you do that and you're ready to read some comics, I, I shouldn't need to tell you that Jeff Lemire is the new Mike Mignola with his Black Hammer universe, but he is. And there's two books that you need to pay attention to. Uh, one is Dr. Star. In the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows, which it was was a is a was a four issue miniseries set in the uh, Black Hammer universe, but centered around a scientist turned hero named James Robinson. And in essence, this is Jeff's look at um, it's it's a character that's not dissimilar to. Starman meets Green Lantern, uh, but it has a very, very tragic tilt to it because he's basically a, a man who gives up his life in support of his pursuits of science and, ex- and discovery. Uh, and it is drawn with absolute jaw-dropping, how is this man on a bigger name in comics, art, Mr. Max Fiumara. Uh, I adored it. It may or may not, wink, wink, turn up in the Oclascars as my favorite miniseries of the year. Uh, and then more recently, I believe last week or the week before, a one-shot from the Black Hammer universe written by Jeff with art by Emmy Lennox. And that is Cthulhuese, as in Cthulhu, only Louise. Some of you all may remember that I've mentioned that there is a character in Black Hammer called Cthulhu. And Cthulhuese is his little daughter. And it is a story of a tragic little girl who has a hell of a hard time because she has got a Cthulhu squid face and uh, that doesn't sit too well when she's trying to be a normal little girl in school. And uh, it's somewhat like a Black Mirror episode. It's a one-shot and uh, it has a very satisfying, albeit uh, black-hearted ending. So credit to Jeff on that one. She gets She gets what she wishes for. But maybe you shouldn't always get what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so bottom line in your travels, get caught up on everything Jeff's doing with Black Hammer because it's ridiculously good. True that. I'll tell you, this damn Silver Surfer issue is going to find its way onto my eleven o'clockers. There you go. Latour's holding everybody down, stepping on their necks. 
Damn, you just got mad love for Latour's art. I think he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like the, the, the narrative of Southern Bastards, whatever. I, 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 I could take it or leave it, but the, but, but the art is just like amazing. And this, it just shows the, uh, how the, the breadth of, of Latour's skill that he can do, um, uh, a mundane type thing like, like Southern Bastards and then jump to this cosmic stuff with Silver Surfer and it just doesn't miss a beat. He's amazing. I want to kiss him. <laughs> yeah. Latour, he just makes everybody else look bad. I'm sorry. All right. Uncomfortable silence. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. Uh, Th- thank you for being here with us once again. If you want more of this, come back uh, Monday. We doing this Sunday again? Uh, maybe not this Sunday. Well, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait! What? Oh, before the end of the Book month, of the month, oh, you all have yay. to make sure you get yourself some bookage. Um, of course, yes, it's going to ask me to fucking verify my email address. Oh, mine too. Um, like I can't stand that shit. Oh, for e- fuck's sake! Every time uh, I log on. <laughs> oh, it's like a glove with no. Hand. It's um, so yeah. Um, our eleven choices. Um, this time around, uh, I wanted to kind of, I wanted the year to end on, on somewhat of, of, of a happy note considering, um, last month's wasn't Mm -hmm. all that fun and lively. So, um, it was an abomination. It (laughs) was trying to be a little nicer than that. So I wanted to, everything on the list, the 11 choices have all been, um, on have all been nominated have all been given a chance to win in in recent months but these are all um most of them i think are things we've we've read at least once uh so i was just trying to make sure that when when we got we sat down and read this that it would be a um a lively conversation where at least two of us might actually um be positive about it in any event your choices were Catwoman, Selena's Big Score, The Damned, Volume 1, Three Days Dead, Grimjack, Omnibus, Volume 1. Uh, you have the Hard Boiled, uh, Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, Volume 5, Planetary, Volume 2, The Fourth Man, Point Blank, The Question, Volume 2, Superman, The Man of Steel, Volume 2, Will Eisner's The Spirit, The New Adventures, Hardcover, and X Factor, Volume 1, The Longest Night. Straight out the gate, we thought we were going to have our very first return to a previous story. And that lasted until about this morning when something that was hot on its heels finally tied it. And sometime late this morning... It eked ahead, and now for this month, December's Book of the Month, if you want to read along with us, get yourself a copy of Catwoman's Selena's Big Score, which landed 22% of the votes. Um, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get it. It's weird. I 
I love the series, so I'm always down to read it. But I feel with everything else going on this month that I don't know if I'd be able to really give it justice and compliment right. the first volume we discussed. It's a lot same. of work. Planetary is a lot of work. Not it's, that it's Selena it's, isn't. It's a lot of lovely work, but no. Well, but with Selena, it's just. I mean, your eyes are just going to like yes. look at that beautiful art and. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I have it. I I don't think I've ever read Selena's. I know I haven't read Selena's Big Score, so I'm really looking forward to it. What? Um, yeah, you, you seriously haven't read it? I haven't read it. Oh my goodness! I know. I know. I didn't read any of the Brubaker Cook Catwoman stuff at the time. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm seriously looking forward to that. We have um, so that's the book of the month. So we um, we will probably have so we'll do that episode probably Christmas week we can all get together uh we might do that episode a night early if everybody's cool with it um that wednesday and we may if everybody's available maybe do an episode sunday night the 23rd um and of course we'll be back next week on the 20th but um we got our theme app still to do and our book of the month right and we have uh, which is why we're, we want to make sure we get um more than one episode a mm-hmm. week for the rest of the year and the um Oh, shout outs. We have, yes, you have a shout out. I have a thank you. And we may have something to surprise patrons uh, once we figure out the logistics of it. As, and it may have to do with an award show. Shout out to Andrew Kehoe, mm-hmm. our latest uh, shout outs uh, patron. And also, although already a patron, I, I got to give a shout out to Bryce Bridges. <laughs> God, I love that name. Uh, for for those of you that that care or pay attention, we had been sitting for about a week, one dollar short of our threshold to give y'all six or more episodes a month, and that's fine. It is what it is, y'all. Everyone's got to you know come and go as you please. It's cool. But Bryce saw that and went from uh, he he upped his pledge a dollar from where it was to uh, to get us to the threshold because he didn't want the he wanted the sixth step. So you're damn well getting the sixth step. Nice. So from now on, this month will be known as Bryce Bridges Month. <laughs> oh, and one other thing, God, for for those of you that have continued to listen, but we'll talk about it at the start of next episode. Uh, we are in December, which means, believe it or not, in three short weeks, we will be ready for a new logo. Yes. And you also will recall that our current logo creator, our good friend, Mr. Jonathan Gordon, has been entered into the EOC Hall of Fame and is no longer eligible. Uh, so he's already he's, he's given us two. We got love for him. He's but but we gotta we gotta kick him out of the competition because he keeps running away with it. Um, anyway, uh, as a result, as we always do, the competition consider it open. Like as of right now, consider it open. Boom. So uh, I will have Vince explain whatever technical details we need, but. Basically, we uh, we are looking for a logo that encapsulates the show. It does or does not have to include 2019, although you know probably won't hurt if you do. Um, and for those of you that are maybe new and don't know what I'm talking about, every year we have this contest and we pick one of our awesome creative folks to uh, we pick a logo from the submissions and it becomes our logo for the show for the entire year. And your prize. Uh, in as much as you consider it a prize is if you're interested, we would have you on the show sitting in the fourth chair with us for an episode. So, um, 
and your logo gets to be everywhere and on merch and seen by lots of folks too. But, but, uh, but yeah, so please feel free to go ahead and start those submissions and we will, uh, gets to, uh, gets to reviewing them. Yep. Well, what as, about technical specs? As far as the proportions go, it has to be a square. But I would implore you to, uh, when you're when you're creating the thing, do at least a ten by ten at six hundred DPI. Uh, dumb it down for submission. You can make your JPEG, any, you know, any size you want. But make your source file at least ten by ten, six hundred DPI, so it'll translate really well to T-shirts and 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 other things. Um, but, uh, it's very simple. Just keep it in a square proportion. Um, do whatever you want, go nuts. The, the more wild and lively it is, the, the better chance, um, I think you'll have in, in standing out, you know, you're not going to do Spider-Man. Don't use copyrighted characters. Um, but encapsulate the spirit of what we do here in, in graphic form. It's, it's it's difficult, we know, but that's why y'all are professionals. So um, give it a stab, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes in. For sure. All right. Well, peace and love to everybody. Uh, big thanks to Mr. John O'Brien for the fifth volume of Public Education with his nice little note inside. Um, it arrived, and I was able to get it at the post office and i seriously love um love the o'briens and you can yeah. read public education at strips for the number four dot com uh you can also pick up uh you can also read maps and uh the o'briens are very i mean aside from just being genuinely sweet and nice dudes um extremely talented as well so thank you john and uh much love to all y'all i'll echo that we'll talk to you in a few days for sure like sunday a few days like sunday (laughs) hey everybody thank you for being here with us once again if you would like to experience more of this kind of wackiness come to our facebook page 11 o'clock comics and come to our twitters we're on there all the time. Um, what else? The Patreon. If you'd like to investigate further on what this whole Patreon thing is about, go to patreon.com forward slash 110CLOCKCOMICS. That's 11 o'clock comics with 101. And, um, you know, you'll get a glimpse. You won't get the, the, the deep dive into what's going on because you have to be a certain tier to see the good stuff is not a very high tier believe me so uh check that out in the meantime um let's do the the drill say good night i don't have anything that makes a sound oh that that sucks that's my corkscrew david <laughs> nice. So stupid. Oh my god. Was it that long? Mm-hmm. You were looking for a corkscrew, my dude. Oh. David. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, there you, you just, go. I, I tried to make some noise, but I didn't, you know. Yeah, you're breathing and shit. That's okay. Right? <laughs> almost almost three hours again this episode. Wow, didn't you, get, did you guys well. do three hours last week? We, uh, we did it. We a went, couple we minutes went shy. hard. Yeah. Well, if we vamp towards the end of this, we can get three hours easy because we, we only need... We talked to Sanford for uh, almost two. Really? Yeah, and we had, we had some other business to take care of, yeah. Yeah, I was extremely saddened that I couldn't make it because I so love... So bro, dude. I, yeah, I, I love Sanford. No, wait a minute. Did you talk about the child dish? Did that come up? Chill dish? I mean, I, Jason no. had... <laughs> no, no, we did Because he got a kick out of that. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Sanford. And I tell you, I read Bitter Root 1 and 2. That's some good damn comics. It is. I'm trying to tell Real you. Real good. Yep. Uh, but uh, like I said, the stuff was going on. Just to peek behind the curtain, I was getting hardwood floor installed, and the bitches were banging. And my studio, in, in David's air quotes, is right below the room where they were installing the hardwood. So y'all would have heard bang, 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 bang. Like nobody wants to listen to that. And I didn't want to do a disservice to Mr. Green by having that in the background. So I opted to just bow out. And I'm sad because I love Sanford. I love his work. And I would I would love to have talked to him. But unfortunately, it was not to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Say lobby. We still got time. Let's make this three hours. Now we got to wrap it up. <laughs> no, we don't got to wrap up shit. You got to wrap it up. <laughs> I'll take it. Dap and I can continue this. Oh, well, my bad. Okay. No, if you got to run, I mean, you know, we can <laughs> we can hold down the fort. Public service announcement. Do not drink a whole bottle of wine by yourself. Seriously. Yeah, it'll fuck you up. <laughs> turt. <laughs> fuck it. Turt. I am. I'm turt. I... I thought it was cute that like half the people in the C2E2 thread today didn't realize we were actually going to C2E2 until today. <laughs> well, they don't listen to the show. They just get together for C2E2. I know, seriously. No, n- n- you know, no lie. I can't wait to go back to Chicago. Oh, I love sure. I love Chicago. And I'm hoping, what are the chances that someone else may go? Do you think? I don't know who someone else is. Oh, come on. Oh, I know, Chris? I, yeah, I know he doesn't live there anymore. But no, the, I was very slim. Damn. Oh well. Well, he gets a prize. Who knows? I do miss Chris. Well, maybe he's, he's listening, Chris. We'd he's, love to <laughs> he's, he's not listening. There's <laughs> no way he's listening. <laughs> maybe by osmosis he'll pick it up, but I don't think so. But I, I do wish we can, you know. At osmosis least, with the mostus. At, at least for like a, a con to rejoin with Chris, and you know, it would be nice. It'd be fun. Yep. So now we have thirteen minutes left to get to three hours. <laughs> all right, well, my dog's staring at me lovingly through the glass doors. So ah, all right. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm gonna say it again. Come back next week. We'll have a sandwich and a colder, warm. Beverage waiting for you. In the meantime, go read comics and kiss your loved ones and have fun. Say sure. goodnight, people. Celebrate Christmas. Glory of, glory of Christmas. Let the record state that Jason has ruined this episode for the three-hour mark because he has to go. My dog needs to take care of his business. I understand. That's fine. Dog can wait 13 minutes. But <laughs> 12, yeah. 12 minutes now. All right. We're out of here. Latest. To the row.
and we're done. Boom. Boom. Get going. Love you. Peace. Yeah. Go walk the dog. Do you walk them or do you just let them out? No, I just have to let them Oh. I got to walk my dogs because they're stupid and they'll wander Wait, off. what do you mean? You just can't let a Yorkie out where I live and not expect it to get eaten by something else. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think we're very close to getting a third dog. <laughs> like in January it's happening. A, a bigger dog? You mean bigger than our current dogs? No, like a, a large dog. You, you yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Nina wants a dog really bad. Make her happy. We already have two. It's mean, even better. No, it's not. So much is though. <laughs> no, it's not. No, <laughs> see, your dogs have bladder control, and and our large. Well, we'll find out here in a minute. <laughs> no, yeah, get going. Go ahead. <laughs> Love you. See you. Yes. Same season. Bye. You want me to hang Bye. up so you can do another 12 minutes, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to do that. I'll listen to it. All right. It we love you. Okay, Bye. Later. Peace. Bye. All right. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Hey, everybody. <laughs> We're back for another. Episode 279. Yes. Another 10 minutes of. of Comic book banter. You know, I didn't want to give it a short shrift, but it's another one of those things that I wish everybody... I know you didn't get it, but I know Jason did. The uh, Frankenstein? The Junji Ito? Oh my God, dude. I can hold off on it until you get it, because you need to read it. All right, I'll add it to the next DCBS order then, because it's still cheap there. Now, we all know that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is one of the greatest novels ever written. Can we agree on that? That I'm sorry, that was what? One of the greatest novels ever written. Yeah. Ito tweaks the narrative. He changes things and makes Mary Shelley's book even better. Why Shelley didn't think of doing what Ito does in this thing is beyond me. But he he doesn't change. He, he takes the universal Frankenstein mythology and combines it with Mary Shelley's mythology. Like in the novel, Frankenstein never actually animates the female. The monster, okay. co- the monster comes to Frankenstein and says, you will make me a woman. If if you make me a woman, I will go away forever. You'll never have to see me again. I'll live with my, your creation in peace. We'll we'll do what we have to do, and blah blah blah. And Frankenstein gets scared that the monsters will reproduce, so he rips apart the female before he actually animates her. And you know by the movies that the Elsa Lanchester. Bride of Frankenstein, that he actually does go through with the process in the movies and creates the woman. In the in Junji Ito's Frankenstein, he borrows from the movies and has him create the female, but the pieces that Frankenstein is forced to use for the female 
combined with Mary Shelley's original novel are amazing. And Shelley never thought of doing it. And it's like, why? It's perfect. So that's why I say Ito makes Mary Shelley's novel even better. And he just does one little simple addition. And it's like, holy shit, this makes it so much more terrifying. No, you got to read it. It is just amazing. It, it Ito takes the um the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein monster which is uh, a demon and horribly disfigured. It's it's not the universal version. Uh Ito's version takes from um Mary Shelley's original depiction of the the monster and Barry or yeah. Bernie Wrightson's version and just takes it to the stratosphere. It's it's a very disturbing Frankenstein monster. I love this book. And again, when we're talking 11 O'Clockers, I don't see how this book cannot be on it because not only is it the... Um, I have the book right here. I'm just going to pull it out while we're talking. Not only is it Junji Ito's Frankenstein, but there's other things in this book. Um, it is called, I want to get it exactly. So um, there are a number of interconnected stories added because Frankenstein is only like 184 pages and the book is 397 pages. So to pad it out, they include this strange tale of Oshikiri. And I said this on Slack, and you're like, oh, my God. It is one of the most horrifying things I've ever read. I and, say. and I'm not going to tell you why, because if I tell you why, it'll ruin the enjoyment for you. So I'm not going to oh, say okay. anyth- anything other than it's one of the most horrifying things I've ever read. Okay. So you need to get on that. Well, I, I just, I got it's, it's going to be on the next order. But you know what came? I sent the photo of this last week when I opened up my box. And I was so giddy to see it in here because I wasn't expecting it because it's been so long since I ordered it. I saw it, I didn't but I don't remember it what it was. Coming. It was a hardcover. Oh, yes. IDW. Yes. Of a book published when? But it was Brad Pack. Yes. It is Brad Pack. It's in my hands. Jason had to shit on it because it's Veach, of course. But Brad Pack is great. And now that's, and and it wasn't on, because I know it was one of the books you wanted on the book of the month, and it was out of print, and not everybody has it. So, but once I saw it in previews, I said, okay, so now that it's coming, it will be on the, um, maybe starting in March, because. February is Dark Knight's Metal. Um, we don't have anything picked for January yet, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that we have some some newer books to throw onto the list for next year. We should put Brat Pack on every book of the month poll for 2019 because it's going to get picked, and then Jason's going to have to read it. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why. Jason has this bug up his ass about he, Rick Veach. I don't not, get it. Not as much. He used to. And in a lot of it, I think, though, was also to give you shit. You know what it was that that soured Jason on Rick Veach. 
it was the big lie. No, see, I, I no, guarantee. I don't think, I, no, I, I think he I, he had he he had he was uneasy with him before that. I don't think he cared for Army at Love. Insanity. Uh, he he, uh, and I think I'm missing a couple of issues of that series, but or both volumes. But the, uh, I mean, I was, I was completely befuddled by the big lie. I had no idea. I, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's it's a paycheck or whatever. He may not believe the shit that's on the page that he's drawing, but I was just like, I don't I know don't why you would even that. attach yourself to it. What? No, I'm saying I think I I I would like to think, um, he doesn't believe the things that were drawn on the page he may very well and and i i don't want to think somebody does so um well, it's that, for my benefit does that make it or break it for you if someone thinks that 9-11 was a conspiracy and i mean the story i mean obviously it's not a true story because it's about a scientist who comes back in time to like see it happen but it's you know the fact that uh, the, anybody who thinks that it's a conspiracy or the government set it up because you know, and and because of the way the building melted it. I just I, I I really have no time for that. Only not so much because it is such a um it's it's a heartbreaking moment, but it it personally affected me and, and I can't have it's it's very you can believe whatever you want, but but for someone to come and I'm not saying that beach is in my face about it. But if, if I was talking to someone and, and they started spewing some nonsensical bullshit about it being a, a massive conspiracy that, you know, Bush was behind. And I just, I, I will need to walk away because I don't want to go to jail that day. Hmm. Well, whatever the case, it's changed the course of our country. Forever, it yeah, it set us down but, a path that. Um, yeah, the I mean, as far as what came out of it, and yeah. and I mean, that's that that we can debate all the live long day. I, I have no. Yeah. The reaction to that event was was wrong. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I appreciate the the um, the cohesiveness or or the the unity that we. Yeah. That 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 spawned from it, however short lived it may have been. But um, yeah, the reaction and and the um, what had gone on for years since is is right. Uh, right. And it, it wasn't just Bush; it continued with Obama too. I mean, it, but but you know, he was just finishing the puzzle, right? But yeah. to 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 go in and just break a country and 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 kill however many people and then impose and, your governments but yes it's just, it's, yes. It's just for the sake now, of of yeah we got you back you know like okay you're you're not bringing back the three thousand plus people that that died in that in that horrible horrible event um you you'll you'll never mend the 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 fracture the 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 horrible um calamity that that befell the american people because of that event it's just it that i think that even more so than pearl harbor 9-11 just it, it it actually broke us as a country it it, it did irrevocable damage to us mm -hmm. 
And, and and which which means they won, and you know, it, and a lot of it was self inflicted after that. I mean, we, sure, it, 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 of course, we, yeah, they yeah, won. So you know, but uh, I don't want to go back, like Casey Kasem. I don't want to go out on this. this no, so yeah. I, you know, what surprises me is after I read it and I put it on the list of what I had read mm-hmm. on on the Slack, I looked at the number, and I cannot believe that I recently read that they finally released it but we're at the eighth issue of doomsday clock there's nine ten less four issues left mm-hmm. i and, haven't read past four and uh, what's I, the whoever the one that revealed that the comedian yeah. didn't die and uh, that's the last one i read yeah that yeah that's probably four and so so now we've had five six seven eight and and i can't tell you I don't know why this is 12 fucking issues. It's like, I just, I, I'm reading it and I'm now, now it's just slow. Now it just feels like we're padding it out. And, and, and it's what, what hurts me with that is that so many people are telling me that when this ends, this is, this is where like the rest of the DC universe is going to be. And, and it'll, so it'll all make sense. Like, so, so the Superman who woke up, in the first issue next to Lois with, with the parents getting killed in the car accident. It's like, this is all going to make sense. Like, whatever else is going on in the DC universe, by the time Doomsday Clock ends, that's where the rest of the DC universe will be. And I'm reading the Bendis' Superman. And Bendis wasn't writing Superman when Doomsday Clock started. So it's not like, you can't tell me that that was always the plan. Right. And um, I'm just like, I don't... I'm. What's going on with Asimandius? Okay, and and I just um, and here's Batman, and and they're just introduced, and this whole the eighth issue has to deal with Firestorm, and it's like he he turns a bunch of people into glass, and and he's in Russia, and Putin and his band of heroes are um want Firestorm to face to to. Um, just uh, um, pay for his crime, and 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 Superman shows up, and because a bullet bounces off, and 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 Superman is trying to make peace, it's just it's it, all of a sudden now it, it's as though Superman is is um, has started a war in Russia, and that's not going to look good. And now all the newspaper headlines, but I'm like, what? Just actually sounds, in this issue? It actually sounds interesting, though. It it it, but. I think it would be if it didn't feel like it was just plodding along. I, I, I mean, I love Frank Superman. I, I, Gary Frank can draw a kick-ass oh, Superman. You, yeah, are you kidding me? Sure, he can. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I think, and and of course, I guess I got to say, it, I, I, I miss, you know, um, Cam Smith or or um, John Cybal inking. Him, he's a little bit scratchy, a little rougher, and and it it, it that that nice. Oh, I like Gary that. Franklin. No, I know. Yeah, no, scratchy works, um, especially you know when you have characters like you know the comedian or Rorschach, and and it it definitely works in in that Watchmen esque world. Um, not necessarily though when Superman is talking to Lois Lane, um. And Jimmy Olsen seems like a complete. I'm like, I just, I don't know where this 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 book is supposed to exist. I, it it doesn't. The characters do not feel like the same characters I'm reading 
in the rest of the DC universe. All right. And My question is, if he pulls it all together and sticks to landing, and the last issue makes you th- – you come away from the last issue thinking, holy shit, he he did it. Okay. Does it make the entire 12 issues worthwhile? Or will you f- still feel like you were led like a fish hook in the cheek through the whole thing just to get to that I, last issue? I think it. this is one of those situations where, you know, who cares how long it takes for something to come out? Because if you're just going to read it when it's collected, like someone who reads it like five me. years from now, they yeah. don't have to care. Um, I think part of me in that moment when I get to the 12th issue, yeah, I'll probably – I'd like to be objective, but I'll probably bring some of that baggage with me and, and I'll be able to, I'll look at the story. I'll look at the whole story and say, okay, this, this works. And, and we got from point A to point B and as a story, that's fine. But, um, do I still feel some kind of way because of how manipulate is the wrong word but i mean you know you promised this 12 issues and then you says okay well now it's gonna be bi-monthly and then well, we'll get to it and i just so there was a lot else there, there was a lot more going on with it it's, it's the same problem i have when, when i read you know old issues when i read the news flashes and amazing heroes and i think about well what the hell did happen in that issue fantastic four or why didn't burn do that story and and so i just just the way I, my mind works, but I think it's it's just like someone who, in in whenever the silly conversation comes up about you know the greatest living creator right now, it's in 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 you know mainstream comics and it's yeah bring that okay up. so right but I'm saying but 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 people look at that and it's because well it can't be Alan Moore because I've I've listened to Alan Moore in an interview. And he sounds like a big ass. So he can't. And so, so, so because, because you, you think he has an attitude problem that, that somehow affects the work that's on the page. Like, I don't, how can, so that's not being objective. That's, that, that's your personal feelings getting in the way of it. You, that, that's like someone saying the Beatles suck. And it's like, you may not like Beatles music. You might not like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or, or Drive My Car, but you cannot say that the Beatles aren't important. You, you have to be able to acknowledge, to, to accept the fact that, that some things, ex- you may not like something, but that does not negate its importance. Right, but that just, that is the same thing as you saying that I can't not bring the baggage of waiting for right, these issues right, to come out. No, but I'm still going to, like, I could, I'll, I'll, when it comes out and you say, wow, that blows me away, I'll, I'll, I'll still be able to tell you, listen, read this story. It's a good story. I, I'll I'll do my best to refrain from coloring the story with my opinion by saying, "Listen, you, Vince, you'll love this story because this, this, or this happens, or this character, or, you know, th- there's something in the middle that that you're really going to love, but it, it pays off at the end." I'll be able to say that to you, but then if I'm going to say I loved it, but that but shouldn't have anything to do with the story being told on the page. It might give you my attitude when it was going on, but it, it's, I'm, it, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to color my, my, if you want to say professional opinion of the work. Right. Well, I'll be the first 
and I am, to tell you that I don't think those kind of feelings have any place when you're judging a work. Right. But they do. I mean, if, if, and it's interesting when we get to Doomsday Clock, when it's finished, it's collected, it's released in, in a one volume tome. And that's the way I chose to, I choose to read it. My perception of the work is going to be based on that one book where right. you can't erase the fact that you waited. Yes. One month then two months, then however many months for each issue. You read it as it was coming out. Your perception of the book is filtered through the process by which you took to read it, whereas mine is, I'm going to wait till it's all collected, I'm going to read it one lump. So the the way you ingest the work has, I, I think, a, a very big impact on your perception of it and it's going to be pretty cool to see when 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 all is said and done how we approach this thing. I cut ties with it after the comedian because, uh, to be honest, I just thought it was it was uh, sophomoric. I don't think it yeah, didn't, no, it didn't need to be done. And just, and that's and that's not going to change. I mean, when you still get to that fourth chapter in the hardcover, it's still going to happen the same way. Right. Unless you do pull a Neil Adams, but it's it's what what's going to happen is you get to that, you'll still feel the same way, and then you get to the end of the twelfth issue, and you're like, okay, but that's but, not going to erase. Right, the, but it, but if he manages to use that appropriation of the comedian in a novel way, that makes sense in terms of not only the story but the entire DC universe, which is a fucking big. <laughs> That's a big task to accomplish. If he manages to pull that off, then I'll be okay with it. But I just think, as of that fourth issue, it reads like fanfic to me. Yeah, and and sure, you know, we we both got to the fourth issue, and and the page played out the same way for both of us. And now you'll just read the next eight issues in one chunk one after the other in, in one sitting, you'll be able to, I'm, it's been so long that I completely forgot what happened in the fourth issue. So I'm not bringing the baggage from the comedian with me. I may be annoyed that it's still going on, but it, it hasn't, but just because, and, and we're saying fourth issue without even verifying that it's the fourth issue, right? But whatever issue it was that the comedian was removed from his death and, and, and saved, by Johns to to later mangle, and I'm 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 projecting. You know I am, and 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 I still have. You know, there's still a a small piece of me who thinks that you know we're just you're you're still you're still bastardizing the corpse of this thing. It's like you're not you're you're not you're just you're all you're doing is is your version of of the watchman and and i mean you, you got the same beats it's like the cover is the first panel you, you open up the cover and the story picks up from there you know it, it's hitting all those same beats that alan and dave did as sure. many years ago and 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 it at this it doesn't feel like an homage it doesn't feel like you know they're trying to tip their hat it no, at, the, at, the before at, at watch feels stuff. like a complete 
feels more of a loving tribute to what yes. was than this. Right. And I, I, I'll, I'll agree to that as someone who hasn't read it. Yes, I do believe that, you know, I don't think, I don't think Darwin was purposely, you know, I'm pissing all over Alan Moore. I just no. know he wanted to tell a story with these characters and he did. And, and, you know, you had other very talented people who were involved in this. And for whatever reason, I don't think any of them were trying to write a love letter to Moore, but they, and for some of them, I'm sure it was a paycheck, but they were able to play with these characters that nobody's ever been able to play with before. Right. And, and, but, but this feels more like, you know, John's just, I'm gonna. I'm I'm trying to mimic what they did and right. um, using characters that I'm familiar with, and and sprinkling in their characters and right, right down to the very language that Gibbons and Moore employed in Watchmen, the nine-panel grid, the yep. the the uh, visual cues that they the button. I mean, they, the word balloons are yes. all shaped the same way. It's, yeah. it's, it's 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 gruff and. And, and so it evo- it's, it's evocative of that, and, and, and you can roll with it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure – But – You know, I, I see an issue come out, and I'm like, oh, this is still being published, and, and I might have that <laughs> attitude about it and, and, and be snarky, but I'm still going to read it. And, 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 yes, we say that all the time about how this read so much better as as a – I mean, Planetary – Planetary is one book that I don't – I think doesn't benefit from being collected because – when you read an issue, Ellis gives you enough there to mull over in your brain and and research and and look into and and you have time you have you have some time to breathe, experience the issue, figure out what the hell just happened, and then and then have fun with what they laid out and then you can read the next issue. When when I'm reading a collection of the planetary, it's it's one after another and it's and. And you're just, you're, you're just, there's, it's there's a cool no, story. There's no breathing room. Exactly. And there's and, no time to research. Right. When every true. issue of Planetary came out, we just hit whatever sources we use to research these things. It's like, oh, yep. he's oh, doing a, Godzilla. Oh, yes. He's, action he's doing oh, a pastiche on Tarzan. Well, let me see what's going on here. Right. Yeah. And it, it collected, story. it's just too much. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we have, we, we definitely have books where we're like, Okay, this read. I needed to read this in a collection. I didn't. I, and and I don't want to wait, you know. But it just it it read great as as one chunk of a story, and but I that's a pitfall I, of the of the way comics are produced. Sure, because they can't. I mean, these people have to eat. They have to live. They have to pay their bills. They they come out in serialized form. But it's like watching 15 minutes of a movie, right? Yeah. yeah, When when all is said and done, I mean, movies are shot piecemeal. They don't shoot the entire movie at once. They shoot scenes. And then they, 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 they view the scenes and then they tweak the scenes and they, you know, edit the scenes together. That's what a a long form 12 issue series. if If you're going to use the, serialized format the 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 20 page format then then use it and and tell your story that uh, even if it's just a chapter of the of, of the overarching story but use those 20 pages and but but commit i understand shit happens but don't like okay we mentioned southern bastards a bunch of times tonight don't 
Southern Bastards is going to read great when it's collected because not only do we not remember what happened six months ago, but but the story you're telling doesn't doesn't benefit from waiting so long. If if something happens, if I read if I get to the end of an issue and somebody's facing down the barrel of a gun, I gotta read that next chapter because it's it, I'm, I'm coming back for it, but it needs to happen quick. And and if if I gotta wait, then that just that that seriously takes the wind out of the sails. Yeah, well, it it's the old art versus commerce argument. Our art doesn't give a shit that it took six months to get the next chapter out. Art is the the work. When Southern Bastards is done and each volume is collected, all that matters is the work. Right. Yeah. It doesn't it, it, it. No one cares that the ch- space between these two chapters and the thing that you hold in your hand is six months. But, but yes, but you do care because you've experienced it in piecemeal form where there's and, a whole bunch of people who haven't experienced it like that. And they've and experienced they're, they're it in one chunk. from my from my sacrifice. If, I mean, just to be. Well, that's not a whole no, 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 no. I'm not. It, I'm not up on a cross, but I'm just saying. So I I made sure I bought the issue whenever it came out. I made sure, you know, the authors got fed and were able to keep producing so that when their story was finished, that I kept supporting you're now able to sit down and read it one chunk. So I feel, and I just, I'm, I'm not me personally, but I mean, I can see a reader feeling some sort of way because it's like, I, what, what do I get out of it? I got the instant gratification because I read it when it came out, but I'm not getting anything more out. Of, I mean, yes, I feel good for, for, for supporting something you enjoyed, right. but I, I'm the one who like like you you're sitting down in your chair and you're reading this big ass hardcover because of what I did what 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 I laid down before you and 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 it's it's it, it I appreciate what Brubaker and Phillips do with their work because it's like here's some back matter and and you're not going to get this yes. in the collection. I'm glad edition. you brought that up because I am a staunch supporter of Brubaker and Phillips in single issue. I yes. I, almo- I own almost nothing by them. I do want to get the complete fade out, only because I love that story. But yeah. I've read the single issues, and that's the thing. That's the, but I think Brubaker and Phillips are an anomaly because they always get it out on time. Yes, more, more or less, right? Yeah, there there been a, there's been a little bit of a of a wait, but not, not nowhere near as as long as Latour and Aaron's. But the stories you also remember, you you remember what happened, even if you have to wait a couple extra weeks, you still remember what happened before. There are some books where we're waiting, and it's like I completely because we do read a lot, but I I don't know what I'm supposed to remember from the previous issue. Right. Well, I mean, we could postulate as to why that is, but I think that because Southern bastards. It's the same cast of characters. It never changes. Whereas True. with Brubaker and Phillips, they'll do criminal and they'll do fatal and then they'll yeah, do something else. And, yeah, yeah. and they'll loop back to, to, to criminal, which I think was a great idea to go back to the wellspring for everything they've done. But now I, I don't, I'm not one to, to vilify a piece of art just because it took 
forever to get out. Right. And there's like, you know, there's some people that do only because that's the road they took to experience it. Whereas I know from experience that there are some guys you just, you wait till it's done, you know, and Gary Frank is one of those guys. He's not, he's not fast, but he's meticulous. So I would sacrifice the immediacy of the thing for the meticulousness of the final product. It, it, when all said and done, art does like again. I, I just go back to this this argument where when the work is done, it's done, and what stands the test of time is the finished work. the The fact that it was chopped up into slices for the the monetary gain of both DC Comics and the creative team that's irrelevant. The, the the way it was, I mean, the Green Mile was serialized in in chapbook form too. Yes. But at the, at the end of the day, we all remember the the entirety of the Green Mile, the book that is the Green Mile, right? So I I it it's just a the way these things are published is not should not be a factor in judging them as a piece of art, you know. Right. And individually, yes. If you're going to say issue number four of Doomsday Clock was great as a single issue, then fine. If you're going to judge it from page one to page 32, then fine. But if, if you're going to judge the, the work as a whole, then it, you invalidate anything that the single, your comments shouldn't be concerned about individual chapters because there's no chapters anymore. It's one book. Right. Right. And if you are reading it in the, you have to take some ownership because if you can't, you can stop getting those single issues at any time and right. opt to wait for the collection. So, so you can bitch about it all you want and say, Oh, they should just wait. Or why does this come out on time? Well, who's putting the gun to your head? Right. To get that issue when it comes out, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I would love to see DC take ownership and say, "All right, Gary Frank is not fast. We're going to give him the time. We're going to publish Doomsday Clock in two installments. You're going to get a book that's part one. It's going to be six issues, and you're going to get a book that's part two. It's going to be the rest of the story. Let him take his freaking time and draw this thing the way he." feels it should be drawn and then publish this thing in a big old chunk and fine like single issues they the only thing single issue serves is the publisher and the creative team like Mm. yeah we love to go to the comic shop every wednesday and pick up our books that's great but you mean to tell me that if you're taking two maybe three months between issues that anybody's going to remember what the hell happened in the previous issue, it's not possible. It's 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 it it's a it's not a reasonable burden to put on the the shoulders of the reader. With everything we read, to remember what happened in a work as complex as Doomsday Clock three months ago, it's 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 egregious, as Jason would yeah. say. Yep. Wow, <laughs> we're on three minutes and twenty four, three hours, three hours and, three hours and twenty four minutes. So oh, 36 I, I, minutes, we can make it four now. Oh, uh, well, I'm all for it, but 
I don't so have to get up. I get some sleep. I get to go to work at 12, so I'm good. Oh, you can eat a dick. I have to. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not eat a dick. And tip of the hat to friggin' Woodbridge Merlot because. Whew, it made tonight possible. It made tonight. You know what else made tonight possible? Apple and Linux Mint. I don't. We don't give enough credit to to Apple for making this show possible. Because if it wasn't for Apple, we wouldn't be doing this. That's true. And to a lesser extent, Linux Mint, because it that's some of the back end of what we do. But Apple is at the forefront. If if it was not for Apple, this show would not exist. Apple and specifically their MacBook Pro. And you do everything yes. you do everything on on um MacBook too, right? So I mean, yes. this everything we do comes out of Apple. So if it wasn't for Apple, you wouldn't be listening to this this bullshit. And it and and it helps make Jason sound good, even though he doesn't use an Apple. Well, he's so young. the Apple helps. He's young and stupid. <laughs> well, no, he's not stupid, but he's young. Jason, he that's one word though. I can never apply to. Jason is stupid. Jason is not stupid. That is true. He's a very, very smart man. But, um, no, nah, I'm not going to bring it up. I won't. I don't want to get into it. But what? you know what I'm talking about. That s- silly, stupid-ass question. Oh, that, the th- yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to yeah. get into we it. We already know. We know what the answer is supposed to be. We know it's, it's, it is. It's it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, I get it. People want to try to come up with other. Yeah, whatever. But it's just no. As if. Right. Man, stop writing shit in the 60s. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> he's a goat who hasn't done anything in the last millennium, but he's a goat. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being here and enduring this with us. We've, we, we're glad that you stayed with us past the three-hour mark. That was our goal the whole time Jason be damned and uh, come back with us next time and we'll have more of this for you we love you so much just say goodnight Dap goodnight Dap yeah yeah